You're now tuned into the hottest podcast in the world, the Stay Woke Podcast, right here on thesonicbreakdown.com. Man, it's time to wake up. Welcome back to another Stay Woke Podcast. This is D-Ray Brinson, and you know the Stay Woke Podcast is presented by thesonicbreakdown.com. And today we're going to have another special episode, Avengers Infinity Wars just came out, so you know we had to do it. We had to, we had to do our review. And for this podcast, um, we're going to have Benjamin Ananowo, who uh, did the Black Panther, the Wakanda Report series. He's going to be hosting this. And we have a guest for this uh, podcast as well. We got Reddy in the building, um, as always, for the comic book series, even though he missed out on the Black Panther because he was slacking. But uh, it's all good. <laughs> And we have Miss Alana Jane here again for another episode. She's been a uh, constant, uh, unlike Mr. Reddy over here, who was, uh, she was here for the Black Panther. <laughs> well, uh, my name is Benjamin Nanawo. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Cousin Benji. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Um, we're, this is the Infinity War. This is Marvel MCU's big payoff for at least the first half of what they are trying to do in their cinematic universe. Had phase one, phase two, phase three, they're getting ready to move into phase four, and it's the beginning of the end with the Infinity Wars. We get all of the great characters back. We get Captain America, we get Iron Man, we merge them with characters that have moved on like Doctor Strange. We uh, add in all of these great characters. Wakanda appears again. It's really an amazing cast of characters put together in this mashup of everybody's pugilistic friends that happen to be the Avengers and the villains that they are trying to defeat, which that the villain is Thanos. Before we go ahead and get into the three different acts of the way that the movie follows. Real quick, sorry, brief insertion, spoilers. Yes, spoilers. 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 Everywhere. Yeah, You're welcome. Do, at this point, if you have not watched the movie yet, you should not listen to this you need to go ahead and watch the film preferably go ahead and watch it on tuesday it's usually five dollars at amc stop now you've been warned (laughs) all right ben my bad go ahead all right so ready tell us about the introduction of the character yeah so when we actually think about the characters in this universe each one of these characters have always have iconic feels right they when you look at captain america he was always this good old boy but in this one you got to see the more different version the more we can call grimy version the one that came out of the shadows he still had the iconic i'm a badass and you still can't mess with me but he still had that i'm i'm a little bit on the other side which we we saw that through that was present throughout his actual actual movie and then if we go from there when he came in you also see his his team as the other side that still somehow was able to survive despite what happened with the records and each mm-hmm. one of them showed, like you, you, when, you, when you had uh, um, Natasha come in, she came in with that quick assassination, kill, flip you up, and fuck people up. Falcon mm-hmm. comes in with a little swift sidekick. I'm giving you a little extra assistance because he always gets downgraded as to it like a side. Let's be real. Even in his fighting techniques. I think that we see uh, also the time lapse. Yeah. So this is three years uh, they mention it in the film mm-hmm. uh, when those characters appear. So basically Cap's new secret Avengers mm-hmm. of sorts. It's three years since the uh, chords have been placed after what happened with Civil War. That's taking place now pretty much actually three years after the end of that post credit scene where Bucky gets put on ice inside of Wakanda. Correct. Right. But we did see Bucky again in Black Panther that he was working as a white wolf, which is, brings me to his introduction to the movie, which, you know, kind of fast-tracked at that one point when he came in, he was instant, it was instantly 
the white wolf needs to get ready, get go to business. Right. And that that was always who he was. Even even though when he no longer he's a murderer. Him, he's a murderer. When he when Wars comes around, he's that person. And then when we saw the introduction of what I would consider one of the baddest asses motherfuckers of the universe, you, you still saw who he was. You're talking and, about Thanos. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Well, just real, real quick about um about Bucky though, like the, you also got to see that he's he's healed of being the Winter Soldier. Like presumably, Shuri really helped him out yeah, with uh, yeah. with her Shuri's advanced medical just healing. Amazing. Yeah, because well, it's like he says he feels so much better. Like at the end of and the Black vibranium Panther. arm. Was freaking beautiful. It was. It was so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, who don't want to take a vacation in Wakanda? I think that'd heal anybody, <laughs> like, right? <laughs> you know, you know like, just get inside that dome, sun, right? Like, it's beautiful. There is a hard, cold open. They are not yes. messing around. Immediately, this takes place right after Thor Ragnarok, where all of the Asgardians that are left oh, are ship. on the ship of mm-hmm. uh, shout outs to basically them kind of uh, doing an homage to Beta Ray Bill. If you're familiar with the yes. comics or if you've watched some of the uh, movies to where all of his people, the Corbinites were on side of one ship. So you have all the Asgardians on the ship. Thor uh, has been found by the uh, guardians of the galaxy. Not yet, but he shows up on the ship. Thanos is there. You already see litters of bodies all over yes. the floor, yes. uh, reminiscent of the scene with Hela murdering all of the Asgardians. But the, the part that I, I like to distinguish about this one, because even when she murdered all the lives, she still had a certain air. But this time with the Death Squad, he, it, was, it was more like, you should be praised that your death is for the glory of Thanatos. And the person that basically said that, which was probably my one of my favorite characters in this movie, uh, is Ebony Ma. Which yes. is okay, Squidward. Yes, yes. Squidward, yeah. Yeah, he basically, he's evil Squidward. Comes in with just this emissary feel where he's yeah. just all like, you know, hands together and he's just saying, All praise Please. Thanos so, for yeah. mercifully gearing and balance back to the life because that's oh. what this whole entire movie is the whole theme. If this around. were supposed to be a, a PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> it would be all about balance and, and resources and oh one, one one quick thing about that um the, the feeling of the cold open the energy it just drops you immediately into an action sequence that you didn't even see the beginning of yes and that just let me know that like have you have you done your homework children if you're like <laughs> like yeah. Have, yeah. are you ready to receive uh the infinity wars plot because it, it made you it made you like call, get right into everything it made you also before. realize yes. too uh i was having a debates with friends where they were saying you know it's going to be marvel's highest grossing film and all those things and in all actuality i don't know how you all feel i don't see it overtaking black panther for the cold opening alone letting be known that i know a lot of people that are afraid to watch this movie because they haven't watched all of the The previous films and they do make it apparent with this cold opening you know, if you've got a spouse or a friend or somebody that shows up with you in the film, they're going to annoy the fuck out of you by yes. asking, who's that? thousand questions? What's, what's going on? Because What's happening? <laughs> they're, they're like a continuation and anything. Like, they instantly, you have to know what was going on. If right. not, you're basically lost in the beginning, which was the next opening we, I wanted to talk about, which was Thor's opening. It was, if you saw the end of the last Thor, Ragnarok, he kind of left triumphant, like, at least I saved my people and I'm gone. So he's in a place of, like, let's start this new life. But the opening in this one, when you see him, was I'm already broken. Interesting, because like that's also how he hangs out at the very beginning of Thor Ragnarok. Exactly, it's, yeah. it's a parallel of him right? being broken. So it, it kind of shows that again. And in my favorite and my saddest intro was kind of hoax, because because mm. Hulk had his typical, you know, you know, Loki went up there with his intro was him being, you know, mischievous always, because he's always still with the Tesseract. He's always yeah. d- doing something behind his back. So that was his theme through his short 
yet quirky yeah. period in the movie. So let's talk about that. Uh, moving through this cold open. Opening happens. Thor is basically been beaten uh, half deaf. He's on the floor. His people have been murdered. Ebony Maw is giving us this introduction of folks bowing to Thanos. We have Loki that is here. He's, as usual, trying to squirm his way out. If we all remember, Loki first got in bed with Thanos, believing that he could go ahead and take over Asgard. So now he has the Tesseract. Thanos wants the Tesseract. But they have one card left to play, and it's usually an ace in the hole that has been quite successful in prior films is, we have a Hulk. And he says, but we have Mm -hmm. a Hulk. Hulk comes out there. Thanos' death squadron are basically held back as he says, no, let me go ahead and get a fair one. I will take this fade one-on-one. And, I mean, he throws a vicious right cross to Hulk's, like, shoulder, debilitating his right arm, then proceeds to just bludgeon him with an inch of his gamma-rayed life. But it's not even that. Like, for the first time in any time you've seen the Hulk, you actually saw a moment of fear in his actual face. When he started finding Hulk and and, and he hit him in the arm, and he hit him so hard that, you know, he it rocked the Hulk. You can see the Hulk's facial expression change from his typical rage to like, oh, shit. And then from that point on, it made the precedent of the Hulk through the whole movie. Because he got such an ass whooping he'd never experienced. Which was so amazing for the Hulk, he'd never wanted to come out again. Yeah, he had transition and, dysfunction. And yes. one of the yeah. things I, think I <laughs> love that. that that one part was an homage to the comic books. Because mm. you know one thing about the comic books, in one of the futures where Thanos gets Affinity Gauntlet and takes over the universe, he makes Hulk his bitch. He puts Hulk's in poking chains and basically uses them as his you know footstool, his little lapdog, and Hulk was that bitch mode. and Because he, he, he couldn't be stopped. And you saw that in it. And so I love that kind of shout out to like, yeah, I know what it is. Thanos then, he picks up Thor right in front of his brother Loki. We once again are introduced to the theme that exists between their brotherhood. We're really half brothers. They don't care about you. But as he's squeezing the head of Thor as if it's getting ready to bust like a grape, eventually Loki pulls out the Tesseract. They've been defeated now. Thanos has it. It's looking like all hope is lost. So wait, wait. I, I want to correct something. He wasn't squeezing his head. If if you if you were looking closely, he was actually using the uh, power stone, the, power stone yeah. on oh, yeah. the, the top of his forehead to kind of destroy parts of his head. Yeah. So like, in, so that's was the introduction to one of the first you know stones because it was directly on there, just be, embedding it into him, which was making it even worse because he knew he was giving him something just as powerful as was being used against him in that even higher field. Exactly. And that was the introduction of the first stone, which he had that. So he's using the power stone. He's, he's getting ready to go ahead and kill Thor. The Tesseract comes out. Uh, looks like they're about to go ahead and be defeated. And then in a latch dish effort from Heimdall, great Heimdall, which, you know, shout out to Idris Elba. He's been an awesome One actor. Time. His locks were looking gorgeous. Yes. Really you know, were. he had all the special last little bits of Asgardian Shea butter inside of those, <laughs> inside of those dreadlocks. In his yeah. last effort that he has, he's able to go ahead and use that sword to go ahead and get the Bifrost going right inside the ship. It was really cool. And be able to go ahead and send Hulk back to Earth. So my question for y'all about that is, why do you think Hamdahl, because I, I have an opinion, I, want, I just kind of want to see what y'all opinion was, why do you think Hamdahl told the Hulk instead of somebody that he was sworn to protect, like the Asgardian king, Thor? 
when well, he knew he couldn't win? At that moment, I think just in the direction of where Thor was, it would have been difficult. But I also he was think locked the, up in that metal. I think yeah, because he was locked up by Ebony Maw, and I think he was able to go ahead and to use the Hulk because the Hulk is of Earth, even though he can use him as a beacon. You know, he used him as a beacon. He is of Earth, and the Hulk has not been back at all. A warning sign. So the Hulk coming back, being able to go ahead and see Bruce Banner, that basically ends the cold open, and then we move into the first act of the movie. Which is one of uh, another awesome introduction. Which is one of my was one of my favorite introductions of Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was was, just an awesome cosign. Yeah, you just you just see the Hulk flying, just flying through you know Earth and the through the Bifrost, and then he crashes into Doctor Strange's house, and it's just him and Wong Chilling. looking at him like, "What is this?" Which is amazing because also arguing about sandwiches, arguing <laughs> about sandwiches, and it was amazing too because we um, Strange has not been introduced to the Avengers yet. He is mm-hmm. not an Avenger. And he doesn't know any of these motherfuckers. He, he doesn't know any of them. He nope. knows Thor. Nope. He saw yep. Loki, and Loki yep. because he. Uh, was in Thor Ragnarok, but he does not know who Bruce Banner is. Yep. He has not met Tony Stark. He obviously knows who Tony Stark is because he's rich you know and he's, he's rich and famous. Yeah. And but you know he's dealing being the Sorcerer Supreme, so he's not really keeping up with what's going on in New York City or yeah. you know the version of New York because, City that is in. I mean, this think universe. about it, even when he when him and um, Tony actually had some conversations at that first time, and he was like, "What have you been doing?" He was like, "I'm saving this reality." So yeah, it, it kind of reinforces that where he's just like, I'm not worried about really just city. You can you can fuck with the city. I, I have to worry about the whole reality yeah. as a whole. And also too, if you I think this answers the question that you had, think about where Heimdall sent him. Heimdall knows about he who the Sorcerer all. Supreme is. He could see all. So if there's one person that's going to oh, believe nice what point. happens it and more importantly has the power, he sent him to somebody that had a soul stone. Yeah, no he history. did. Yeah, yeah. Had the history and sent him to the one soul stone that, that can sense. reverse everything. The person has the eye of Amagetto, which I'm happens so to go ahead and be that. I know. R.I.P. You know? Dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, shit, had Heimdall been, you know, in charge, had uh, Asgard decided to go ahead and elect a black president, <laughs> you never know what may happen. You know. I, I heard. Mean, I heard. Uh, Idris Elba wanted to get out, though. He's yeah. probably over the contact lenses, to be honest. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's time for him to go ahead and be put in some like new version of James Bond since they don't yeah. want to put him in the actual James Bond. So, you know, but there's I mean, other things for him to do. Also, with, with their phase four, they one, one thing they've said since basically like phase two is they want to have a major shift because they don't want to be like the comic books where they keep the same characters for 30 years. They, most of them have said they love the fact that Hugh Jackman, for example, Wolverine, was Wolverine for so long. Like 15 years, yeah. Yeah, about 15 years across seven to eight movies, but... Most people no longer want that because they want the evolution, which is why I am kind of glad they are moving with this phase four with them making people different, making things different, making what, however they're going to do it. That it's a new change to the universe. So it feels actually new and it gets new people because yeah. when it's always just Captain America, where he's awesome, but it's kind of like, yo, we've been seeing him for 50 years. This yeah. nigga got to die eventually. And speaking of death uh, in from that scene, Heimdall does die and so does Loki. Yes. Um, and it's looking like Loki's gone for good, for good uh, at least for the foreseeable probably future. Because one, one permanent thing they did that they'd never done before is when he died this time, he went back blue. If y'all, if y'all noticed that, he, yeah. he, he yeah, never I saw. Yep. 
Yeah. So that was that was cool that that happened. Then we got nice a detail scene from all the way back to Thor one. Yeah. Yeah. And then we got a scene uh, which I really wasn't feeling because I'll just be honest, I am pretty tired of Tony Stark's shit. <laughs> I'm I'm over it. The only redeemable quality of Tony Stark is the fact that Robert Downey Jr. plays him, but it's all too easy for Robbie Downey Jr. because the character is a lush that happens to be a multi-millionaire. So, Billionaire. Yeah. You know. Not a, not a reach you're saying that? Yeah, so it's not really a reach. I mean, I feel like he just, you know, gets the chance to kind of play himself. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, quick, quick, quick critique sitting over here being, um, being the lady in the room. I was super mad that the only reason we see Pepper so she can step Her into engagement. a nagging harpy yeah. trope. Yeah. Like, yeah. straight trope. It was the and laziest thing ever. With, with just, that, why bother? But see, that, I was mad. Those, those two intros was iconic to everything they've ever been through. So when we finally see him again, he's basically still, he still has the crest on his chest like it wasn't removed in, 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 the, right. la- in the last movie, right. which she made homage to that, which is, again, that, you know, that Marvel long-term thought process, as well as she, we, we haven't seen her for several movies. Right. And then she comes back in as only the side character of I want you to come Honey, back. Come home. So it was almost that he made it kind of made you feel like he should die because of what happened, even if you don't know what the mm-hmm. comic books yeah, talk there's about. There's alien spaceships in the air, and she just yeah. saw like Tony, if you don't get back here exactly. right now, and it's right, all that's like really super angry. super annoying. And then <laughs> oh, you shit. never hear from her again. Right, and they also they also dropped that arc completely. Well, completely. Whoa, looking at you, writers. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm wondering too. I'm just all like, did Pepper make it? But yeah. we'll talk about oh, that oh, at the end of this. Shit, you know, ben. yeah, yeah. So we, we, we really don't know. All of a sudden, boom! Uh, similar to I think the movie uh, Oblivion, or also kind of homage to the Oblivion's movie. Good. That uh, is the prequels to the Alien uh, movies that has the engineers. What's the name of that movie again? The engineers. Um, I don't know. The Life? Aliens movies. Prometheus. Prometheus. Prometheus, yeah. So the yeah, ships yeah, yeah. kind of have that feel, a circular round to them and but, stuff, but, and they're going, you but know, those the sky, don't even call very thin. Ships. If, if you notice, like the main, the big ships all kind of have like the Death Star kind of vibe. They did look just like Death Star. But, yeah. but yeah, then yeah, yeah. all the recall, which is like the, the individual, the Death Squad's individual vehicles were that, that. Were, were interesting, you know, which was one of my favorite intros. If we can go there, yeah. is, is is Spider Man. Yes, it's um, and w- one thing I was talking to you know, um, several people before is you knew Spider Man the minute you saw Hair Raise, because it's that iconic who he was, and I, I love how they introed him because he is a kid. Yeah, and they introduced him. Spidey sense. Spidey sense. His Spidey sense. Yeah, they introduce him as a kid because he is a kid and he's in a bus, literally with kids. on a school bus. And yeah, he's going on to whatever. And I love his um his Polynesian friend. Once again, he's just like, hey, dude, hit me with a distraction. Oh, like, my god, oh my god, we're gonna die. We're all gonna die. Gets you know puts on his mask and stuff because yeah. as we remember, Tony took his suit back from him, so he now back out here slumming with whatever no, he was no, able to no. sew. If, if you remember at the last, the, the last, the end of um Spider Man, um he he got his um the beginning electronical suit. So remember the one that has death mode and the um, yeah he had that because even when he was going out in space and you saw him attached, that wasn't his rinky dink original one. It was the original one Tony made for him right before he sent the Iron Spider for him. Okay, yeah, he went ahead and he put on the mask. Gets to going, ends up on side of a ship, even though Tony wanted him to go ahead and just as usual help out, but don't get hurt, kid. Because mm. there's still that level of guilt that Stark has with what has led to the whole entire uh, accords that happened after Zakovia. But you also notice he never made, and in every movie they've made a point of it, that he never made Spider-Man sign the accords. 
because he still wanted Spider-Man to be off off grid. And I think part of the reason that they said multiple times, like, is he a mentor to him? But he kind of is, but he isn't. Because both of them are genius. Most people forget that Spider-Man himself is not just a smart kid. He is a genius. Yeah. If you can develop... Although they really haven't developed that that much. They Maybe haven't. they're going to do it in, in the, the next, next movie. movie, but they, you know, they've pretty much just made him as like, like a regular I'm confused regular kid. Yeah, but like, you got to also think about he it. He doesn't even, have the, what is it, Tobey Maguire that used to play the original? Yeah, like, yeah. Where he, It's like, it was clear, like, okay, he had a science like type of degree. They he, made mention to it. But you can think about but, it like no. this. He's quirky, right? Like Spider-Man's supposed to be, but think about it. When we see him in his Spider-Man movie, when he made the webs, he clearly made something that was beyond uh, any kind of technology, True. as well as he, he was able to hack into his original iron suit from Tony, you have to be at another level to be able to even think of something like this. This is the man that created an Iron Man suit. But with, but with that, they made it in the scene, the way that it was shot, they made it seem that it was more of his, his friend partners, yeah. that was programming or reprogramming the, the suit, suit than he was. He True. was just, he was more of the hardware engineer and the friend was more of the programming engineer or the yeah. computer engineer. So they've kind of they've kind of toned down his level his of intelligence, uh, intelligence I mean. that he Where has. Where before it was him doing both. Yeah, it would have been him doing both of it, pre-programming and doing the hardware. Right, because he never had he never had that in the comic books. A real friend that he can be with. All his friends became enemies. But the the, the one part I do love very very much is we got to see the Iron Spider suit. And if, yeah, for y'all that awesome. don't know, the Iron Spider suit was a suit he put in. He he showed at the end of the last his last movie, and then actually he was wearing. It's very iconic because it always has the three legs in the back that right. assist. Right. Yeah, it's almost like a extra spider kind of sense. Mm-hmm. To be honest, the legs almost work to the same exact degree that the cape that Doctor Strange has. Oh, yes. good comparison. So, because yeah. uh-huh. and I, I love that they they even show that the cape at multiple times throughout this movie was almost a sentient being. Yeah, it, it it was it was chilling with them at one point in the movie, just like yo, he's over there. I'm just hey, They're like. What are we gonna do? And he, he, it was listening, and as you can see, he, it can hear and it understands, but it also it's indestructible. People don't remember that or realize that because if you think about it, in every part of the movie, when it did something and it grabbed something and or was blocking something, it never tore. Or Drax tried to kill it. Or Drax tried to kill it. <laughs> yeah. Wait, didn't it tear when Thanos? No, was it off? It did not tear. It just moved. It just got off. He because it's, un, it's I remember it audio. Looked, it I re- looked like I re- it got damaged yeah. pretty badly. No, it remember, I remember hearing an audible tear <laughs> when he pulled it. I don't know about I got, seeing it. I would have to check that because it's supposed audibly. to be indestructible. I would, I would but, love yeah. to go ahead and get like a side, like you know, fifteen minute, thirty minute film about the cape's origin. Like that I don't know if dope. there's like a person's <laughs> mind that's in the cape. Are you listening? Maybe the Pixar? original person in Do the cape. Shit. Oh yeah, no. Pixar. Like maybe the original person that's in the cape is like in the Soul Stone. I don't know, but like the cape is very, very interesting. Oh, uh, what if the Strange. what if the giant dwarf dude made it? He makes stuff. I mean, it was, no. he's a forger. No, the, the, so, so yeah, the- <laughs> maybe a sister made the oh, made it. You know, nice. so you know, since we would keep with the the gender norms that they happen to be going with <laughs> here with how no, they treat see, a no, the, so <laughs> the, Follow cousin Benji the, on Instagram. The, the Hollywood itself doesn't have it, it has a sentience, but it's just advanced magic. It's considered some ancient magic, which makes it have the ability to consistently float and have a sentient origin, but not free thought. Once it picks as a master for for a building a relic. It stays with that particular person, as we saw when Doctor Strange first got it. Yeah. And now it's only his. As you see, it's never tried to save anybody else but him. 
So yeah, and it's so that taps it that, that that taps it into the trope of like the magic carpet. Yeah. yeah, those all they also respond to that. With that battle, Doctor Strange, who we're talking about in his cape, unfortunately, he met his match against Ebony Ma, who seems to he also sure have Damn. a level of magic and stuff, and able to tap into. And it was Actually, a good battle oh, inside yeah. of the confines of the streets of the, New York but, City. But the power, oh, sorry, oh, cool. real quick, the powers that Ebony Ma reminded me of most actually were Hella from Ragnarok. It yeah. reminded me most yeah. of Hella, which was interesting. A lot of telekinetic, but he, he wasn't a real big fighter, but a real telekinetic concept. Oh, yeah, because when he got scratched by whatever that was, the debris that cut him, he was pretty damn pissed because yeah. it had probably been eons <laughs> since yeah. he had been touched by somebody. It was, it was almost <laughs> like, you know, Oh, one of these few fights where like Floyd Mayweather got yeah. hit with something clean. Yeah. I think in like in the Shane Mosley fight, he took an amazing shot in the second round, was the closest that we've seen Mayweather to possibly being stopped. And then from rounds three through twelve, he put an absolute beating on Shane Mosley. And, it was and a, that's what happened. It was a fascinating mashup too of the CGI mocap stuff. And also like the way they used the character was like he reminded me of a boss in a video game. Like just the way they He reminded way- me actually of the boss from one of my favorite video games of all time as a kid, back with the good old PlayStation One when you press the power button and said Sony or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, and you know, had the little oh and uh it reminded me of Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> where oh, the ultimate yeah. video game boss of all time, Psycho Mantis, where mm. you had to put the controller from controller one into controller two because the character would read your mind. If you play like mm. I remember playing and I was trying to defeat him, oh, and then all of a sudden you're just all like, How can you defeat me when you're free throw percentages at 80% in NBA Live? And I'm like, how does he know this? You know, and I'm like, the game was so cool. So it's like he reminded me of that character with his ability to be able to use kinetic attacks. For me, like, the thing I loved about him is he was showing his superiority through the whole fight. Where even it was him, Spider-Man was helping, Iron Man helped a little bit of time before he went on with the other guy. But he was showing, like, I was always in control. Like, yeah, you got this cool little magic. You have mystic arts. And he was so sarcastic with it, like... Oh, you, you th- he basically like, you think you're hot shit because you can do magic on earth? Let me show you some real shit. Fucked him up against the wall, <laughs> tried to take it. And he was kind of, when he tried to take the amulet, he was like, oh, oh, so you think just because I can't take it off you right now, I won't get it? Yeah. Ha, huh, you're funny. Come with me real quick. And yeah. that's the whole reason why they went there was to go ahead and try to pick up the uh, time stone. Also, it's just real quick, the arrogance of being like, I can't even bother to do my best spells. Like what? Like you know, he's just—he's like so slow to yeah. to take it on. I don't know. There's something about it. He's just looking down his knot nose the whole time. But my favorite part right here was when 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 they, when they first the, the beginning of the fight before the fight even started when they when they land and they're coming up. Doctor Strange rewinds time and then mm-hmm. they come down and it's like, oh yeah, we about to get in this fight. All right, Bruce. Go get the Hulk. He, and he, he, he's sitting there. You can see him struggling, like a little bit of green, a little bit of green. And you can literally see him struggling to try to be the Hulk. And then the most iconic scene from the Hulk in this movie was when he was about to, what's wrong with you? No! <laughs> yeah. And so he, they're now on the ship. And then uh, we cut and we start uh, going into the scenes to where now we need to figure out what's going on with Thor. And he ends up getting picked up by the Guardians of the Galaxy. Which is, I love the intro so much. It's because before we even saw the ship or even the people inside that had that old school music playing that you always know is the Guardians. Yeah, which I can't remember which song was playing because I was jamming out definitely on there. But it was was definitely some uh, old school uh, 70s soul that was Mm -hmm. going on. The music's happening. 
we go ahead and we get some great humor from Drax. Yes. Uh, as typical with just his like level of like aloofness that exists with inside of his race of people. Shout but out to David Bautista. It's a thankless role, but he's... Oh, yeah, David great. Bautista. I mean, I was watching him as a kid from the WWE days, yep. so it, yep. it's awesome to see him turn into a great actor. I mean... Him and The Rock. Yes, I would watch that buddy comedy. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would love to see something with him and The Rock. Yeah. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. Yeah. Royalties, please, 0.5%. Yeah. <laughs> we all thought of that idea. <laughs> so and Groot is real, one of my favorite parts. And one second, real quick, that song, it is The Rubber Band Man. Oh, by yeah, The, the Rubber Man Band by The Spinners. Thank was you. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, dude. Yeah, absolutely awesome. The Rubber Man Band Man by The Spinners. Uh, and you've got Groot back there playing an old school game, game, and Groot is now a, a teenager. teenager. And it's awesome. And one of the best jokes to me at all when he, you know they're talking to him about get off of the game, uh, Rocket Raccoon's talking to him because he's basically a surrogate father. Yeah. And yeah. he's just all like, I am Groot. And like any parent or any person that has been a teen knows no, that <laughs> moment in time where it's just like basically he's just like fuck all to you and everything. And they're all like language. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of my favorite lines Fantastic I believe it was Starlo was like you got some acorns on you. <laughs> and then uh, what was a, a rock raccoon? He said a good one. He's like, ever since you got a little bit of wood, you've been such a douche. <laughs> like, and you can see that that's just that teenager. And throughout the whole movie, he's kind of like that. He's just like, I'm in my own world. I really don't want to well, be Well, I mean, here. if you think about it, now that he's going through the whole teen thing, he doesn't have a chance. There's nobody else from his race he gets to play with. Everyone mm -hmm. else that's a part of the crew are older. So mm -hmm. he's like the one teen that's out here. And he's just like, okay, we're saving the world. I think the... What's again. Cool about it is, again. We're saving the universe again. It really is again. Because you know he said that when he was like, I am Groot one time. It's like, again, bro, for real though? Yeah. <laughs> so he's just basically... And it's kind of sad in a way where it's just like... Because they've had to save the universe over and over and over again, and with him just being the team that's there, he doesn't get a chance to actually have a life. His life is basically saving the universe. Yeah, because if we look at the last Guardians of the Galaxy 2, he was basically like two years old. So right. you, you gotta, gotta really think, like, he spent his birth from a twig and a plant all the way up to teenagers every day, all the time, saving the world. And he's just like, fuck. I really just I just want to play my game. I've been there because that was me. I used to have the old school Game Gear, that big ass block green, uh, uh, black thing in the back of the car, just like I just want to play my games. Correction: Not saving the world, saving planets. Oh, in the universe. In my bad. Yeah, my, yeah the, the universe. Four is pulled in, and uh, he's on the examination table. He's looking worse for wear. Yeah. And uh, one of the funnier lines where Drax, you know, the him and Quill are going back and forth, <laughs> and he's just all like, "No, no, no, no." no. You know, that right there is a man. Yeah. He's like, he's like, Quill, you're a dude. And that right there is a man. It's like, what do we say? It's like an angel in a, um, oh my God, it was, it was something funny. An angel and a warrior had a baby. <laughs> an angel yeah. and a warrior had a baby and made him. And then he's like, I'm muscular. No, no, you're one, you're one burger away from being fat. And then, uh, they, they, they asked Drax, Drax is like, uh huh. Yeah, you're actually fat. Go to Gamora, and she just kind of walks yeah. away like I ain't saying shit. <laughs> and and everything works out. And he says, "I take it serious. I'm gonna get a bow flash." <laughs> yeah, yeah, this time I'm really gonna do it. <laughs> that that, that <laughs> kind of humor of that group. Yeah, I do want to. I do want to mention one thing too, as well as um, that scene of the of the ship going into the wreckage of what yeah. Thanos yeah. did, and just showing the the massive power that he had with the gauntlet 
and as well as on the flip side, with the one massive, stone. No, yeah, well, one, no, two stones. Because at that point. no, he only used one stone to blow that up. That but was I'm just saying, a power but he, stone. But he though. still had two stones. Yeah, yeah. But um, because I I believe that the more stones you have, they magnify. Yeah, even yeah, the right. stone that the, you the don't. gauntlet itself enhances each one of them to make them link to each other. Yeah. That's why you wouldn't have all six. You can do whatever. But it also showed the the power or the resiliency that Thor has. Yes. Because yes. the ship was completely destroyed and, and he still survived. Yeah. And he's in space, no oxygen. But he's a demigod. Gold. Yes. I know he's not fully a demigod. He's a god fully now. A gold, gold. Yeah. But all of that, but still for him to be that resilient, I thought was um interesting. I ain't gonna lie, that was almost an homage to me to Star Wars when <laughs> we had Le- when Leia was out there in space and then she just floats back. It was just a now Thor had version. his hammer been there, his hammer may have floated him back Which, to oh wherever my, he needed to go. I can't wait till we get there because so to, one homage like I, he I said doesn't to, have his hammer though. No, he doesn't have his hammer at this yeah. point. And the Hella homage to the last Thor, Hella destroyed it. Even though Odin t- explained to him, like, your hammer is, yeah, it's a part of you, but it's not the full aspect of your no. power. Like, this has just helped you refine your power, but it's not your power. And we, we still saw that because he was still able to fight, but he just wasn't on Thanos' level. Yeah. I think it was perfect that Thor was uh, found by the Guardians because there wasn't the typical (laughs) exposition that needed to happen to where it's like, okay, there's this huge monster. There's this wreckage. I need to explain to you. They see fucked up things in the universe every day. So they immediately are like, okay, you're Asgardian. This is what's going on. We need to figure out what's going to happen. And it moves the story along quickly. So it was, it's, Great the way that the writers were able to merge everything together by having certain groups melt with other groups mm-hmm. because then it made the story believable that all these things could happen at a rushed pace. I mm-hmm. love that Thor could speak Groot language. Like Yeah, he said he was taught to him in grade school. Yeah, so it's and then and instantly when he came in, he saw the difference in dynamic. He never saw Quill as a leader. He instantly saw the rabbit. Yeah, I know, right? The rabbit, <laughs> the rabbit. The rabbit <laughs> as the leader and had him and Groot go. To go to, which was one of my iconic, you know, thought, thought processes of where his hammer was created. That everyone else was like, yo, this place don't exist. He's like, oh no, I know it does. It does. Yeah, Trust it does. Me, Inside of a dying does. star. Mm-hmm. So then they're off to go ahead and find his hammer. Thor leaves with Ra- Rocket Raccoon and Groot. And then the rest of the group are on their way to go ahead and get to Benicio Del Toro, the collector, because nowhere. an Infinity Stone was left there at nowhere. And they are trying to go ahead and beat Thanos because Gamora has the inside track because she is the daughter of Thanos. That's where we kind of leave that scene at. One part that I kind of love there that showed the building of their relationship was you got to see how Gamora was starting to unleash her 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 past traumas upon Quill where she's the baddest chick in the universe. And she's like unloading like, yo, this was my childhood. I know some stuff and just, I'm, I'm having a hard time. And again, I kind of, you know, go, going back to, uh, you know, uh, Drax just standing there. The, the awkward, you can't see me. You, you, you don't know if I stay real still, you don't know. I mean, the, the comedic <laughs> genius of whoever's writing most of Drax's material is just awesome. like, absolutely awesome i believe i'm invisible yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh Uh, man 
Uh, in fact, that's what's Do funny it. is I saw that on, I think, a world star hip hop or something where a guy's cheating on his girlfriend. She comes in and he just claims that she's all like, no, she she's a uh, she's a she's a replica. She's a uh, one of these sex dolls. She's not real. <laughs> and the girl's trying to pretend oh, no. to move around as if she's a sex doll. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. So that reminded me of that. Did they start the flashbacks on Gamora at that point? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Where so yeah, I, I love to talk about that because that was what defined who she was and her her trauma. Like you yeah. took her from her mom that you just killed, gave her a weapon, and then if you if you really were paying attention to the background, it was the beginning of showing their concept of Thanatos's altruality, mm-hmm. where he he said you're either with me or you're against me. If you're with me, you'll live and you'll you'll be fine, or if not, you'll be destroyed. And he showed it quickly as he's teaching her how to balance this weapon that you can clearly see throughout the movie was like a doll that, you know, kind of concept. He annihilated half of a planet just because it had too many people in his mind. It it actually reminded me uh, a little bit of Game of Thrones in the first season when um, when someone turns uh, turns Arya's head away (laughs) Mm -hmm. from from her father's uh, (laughs) decapitation. But it it was like sort of the same tense, like... He's like responsible for and also trying to deal with the trauma he's creating in this child. Like it's like this. It's a, it's such a strange, like sharp feeling to watch mm. someone that you know is causing the pain, treat someone nice around it. It's yeah. it's, it's, it's it's crazy. And it's it's interesting too. Always with that um, existence that happens between Gamora and her sister. But mm-hmm. before getting to that, so just explaining to you all. So the flashback scene happens. And uh, they're on Gamora's home planet. Uh, as Reddit talked about, there was uh, the mass murdering that goes on of her people. Yeah. Um, Thanos takes her, moves her, her head away. As Lana's talking about, very reminiscent to Game of Thrones with Arya as she's seeing her father Ned Stark be decapitated. And you get this beautiful kind of speech as he's trying to talk about balance and then just the object of the end that he's looking mm-hmm. for resides with inside of the knife that is balancing upon her hand as then we're hearing all of her people screaming and being gunned down. And then we break away from that. But what I was uh, talking about with Gamora and her sister is I always thought it's interesting where it's like, okay, well, Gamora is like the apple of his eye, but her sister is, you know, experimented upon, constantly you know all kinds of bad things have happened to her and it's interesting that it's like also you see that where it's like gamora they give she has hair her sister doesn't have hair it's like all of the things that we also see that exist within inside of real life where it's like parents uh can go ahead and treat one child one way in comparison to the other with one being a tomboy one being you know deemed to be by society standards as pretty you see that level of also chauvinism and and that patriarchal power of like, you know, him rearing Gamora up, but to uh, basically show her that everything that you shouldn't be, I'm going to have in this other child that I'm going mm-hmm. to discipline. I mean, throughout oh, the whole movie, and I mean, through the whole time period, you just see how much he, you can see he actually cares for this one person, Gamora. He doesn't give a shit about Nebula. He doesn't give a shit about anything else in the universe. He just had. He does have this one connection with. He considers her a complete daughter. I wanted to ask just the panel: 
what do you think about Gamora allows him to have that level of love and a level of concern and level of, of care that he does not have for anybody else? It's familiarity, in my opinion. It's mm-hmm. the it's the typical trope that exists throughout almost all of these stories. There is some loved one that he lost on Titan that looks like Gamora or reminds him of either his wife, his or daughter, her. or whatever, his past life. And her... Um fearless fearlessness yeah. in the moment of the attack i think really catches his eye because what it, she looks like she's like six years old, like, well yes, six human yeah. years whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. you whatever, whatever however they are. age I, I, um yeah but yeah like a, a small a small child and she's she's very business-like and very serious and you know it's it is but, but yeah it's like it's a trauma bonding for sure like but it's not because you gotta also think about it. he trained her to be because he, he made sure he made um repetitive notions to this of everything good in you was me yeah. So he, if you really think about it, when he took her, he statement. put all of his child raising concepts into gear because he saw himself in her. He he made sure he said it multiple times. I always saw you sitting on my throne. I always saw you taking my place. I always saw you doing more. He I was, was always grooming you. He was not to be creepy, her but... to be his sister. <laughs> yeah. his, his, and in his, a way his, too, then that's where it's like the redeeming side to the, uh, from looking at a feministic standpoint of you would think, okay, the mad titan, the most powerful person, as we see with, that's the difference right there between Thanos and Odin. Odin bypassed his daughter, Mm -hmm. Hela, and didn't give her the throne and led to the ruining uh, and led to Ragnarok because of his own sexism. While on the flip side... Thanos, despite like what he had done to Gamora and done to Nebula, he's still his right hands in command were women. women. Yeah. So interesting take in comparison of Thanos and someone like Odin, who which Odin literally, it's like you used Hela to go ahead and conquer the nine realms, but she was never gonna be good enough to, to be on the it. throne. It's, it's interesting in that one of the themes in the MCU is the the good the, the the biological fathers are trash. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the father figures to the different characters are way better, better. But there's a lot of father child, um, you know, pr- um, dynamics. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of family based dynamics, especially in father stories across the MCU. I think. Mm-hmm. And I think to your point, I think that also adds to a level of manipulation that allows the usually evil figure to use that father figures kind of. Against them. Against them. Yeah, yeah. always. In, like blackmail. Perspective. Or exactly. Well, after the dream, in that sequence, then the two groups set off to go all on their different ways. Wanda yeah, and Vision. Vision. Yeah, so, so that, that's a beautiful intro because it, to me, that was another homage to the um, comic books. Because in the comic books, they were always a couple. Wanda and Vision were a couple. They even at one point in the comic books have kids that Wanda creates, but that's yeah. too hard to go through right now. But you, you can see that love interest in, he's in his human form, which yeah. is, is showing yes. even more that he's becoming more than just an automaton. And I love that they, they had the, they, they showed, they made sure they made the presence of the mind stone there where he was like, it hurts. Something's calling to me. I just don't understand what it is. And it was just a good intro to them as well as you could see, they were just like, Hey, let's, Fuck everything. Let's just do us. Let's abandon. Because in, in the scene, and was it just me? But obviously, you know, we kind of forget they're on opposite sides. Yeah. When she got picked up, there was an agreement basically from Cap and his secret Avengers of him 
Wanda, Maximoff, and also Falcon, where it's like, hey, you're going to have your little rendezvous, you know, with your man, but, like, we got to, like, get back at a certain time. Mm -hmm. So there was an issue where they're, like, already, like, where were you at? So when that attack happened, luckily, he also turned off his transponder so they couldn't find him. And that was only because he was with her. He never turned, and if you realize through the whole movie, he never turned it back on either. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of interesting, which we can talk about more later, but I loved when, when the attack came. Yeah. When, when when the first you know death squad came down to attack him, because they were both just about talking about running away and being together until he they they look at the news and she realizes like dang it's going down in New York right once again yeah and then he changes his mind to like nah I can't stay I have to go but it was too late and that was one of his biggest themes through the whole movie was everything he's trying or everything he was trying to do was always too late and she would sacrifice anything for him until she evolved later on. So from that point on, she was like, I will give up anything for... She said it. I'll give up anything for you. And it became consistent throughout the movie. But It was interesting because I think Elizabeth Olsen did a really great job because she had about five seconds yeah. to set that up for us. And, mm-hmm. and she, she really she did. did. I ended up caring really deeply oh, about them both. And I loved her fighting. They, they, they yeah. showed her evolution where... The last several movies, we didn't really get to see her. I mean, she was afraid. Much. Hawkeye had to give her the classic speech. I'm the, just the a guy. With a, with a bow and with arrow. With a bow and arrow. And that's the realest <laughs> speech ever. Like, And I, I love that at the, around this point, they've already talked about Clint. Where's Clint? And they, 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 they talked about him being on, you know, you know, after the Sokovia Accords, he went ghost, basically. Him yeah. and his family went Which on the Which I think farm. that already mm-hmm. let us know that Ant-Man and the Wasp will take it. place prior to everything that's happening here because they mentioned yes. that they're on probation. So yes. I would think oh, in yeah, Ant-Man yeah. and the Wasp, they must be on the run. Whatever happens at the end of that movie, then because it's like, remember, all right, it's time they, to sit down. Ant-Man is in the too. floating jail at the end of uh, yeah. the yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. is Falcon. Remember, and, yeah. and, and they, they made a statement here of, they got busted out by Vision. Remember, oh, they said that Vision helped bust them out, yeah. even though Vision was still working for them. He was still working for the government, but he helped bust them out. So also, it's, it's kind of interesting. Also, heavily there. implying that Vision made up with Cap way before Stark did. He did. No, he did because remember. Um, so w- when we go back to it, so let's rewind. I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. So the fight with uh, Wanda and one of the Death Squads, yeah. it's, it's the female Death Squad, and she, they're going in. And you're seeing her evolution where she can now fly. She can now you know, use like a gravity thing. So her evolution of her power happened as well as... And it's great. Unfortunately, we don't get to see that with Vision because from the point of the beginning of the fight, he gets stabbed. He gets right. stabbed where he's no longer effective. He even said it, for some reason I couldn't phase, which was one of his major powers where he could phase through anything but they had particular weapons that stopped him from phasing from the beginning. Yeah, so he's definitely constantly injured through the uh, battle with... Uh, and what is the name of that uh, character with a um, uh, part of Thanos' uh, group? He's got a almost like uh, a, a bug type of like quality to him, but uh, very proficient with uh, close quarters battle. Then we move on to... Let's get to like basically the big thing that happens inside of uh, Act 2. So inside of Act 2, two more stones are acquired. And the first stone is they go to nowhere, uh, does the group of Star-Lord, Gamora, and Drax. And they have a plan to... Yes. To go ahead and uh, get the reality stone back from the uh, Collector. Unfortunately, they're too late. The collector's already at the bottom of Thanos' boot. He's trying to figure out where uh, the uh, stone is at. And in typical fashion, 
plans, as they say, they pretty much go the same way as of mice and men. They never go well. So, Lenny never gets to the farm, and they never can complete a damn plan to where they can go ahead and get you know an the, end that's going to work. The Black Order guy you were talking about is Kovas. Yeah, so Kovas. Kovas Glaive. Yeah, yeah Kovas Glaive. Uh, really, he's uh, pretty much, it seems like, the war dog of sorts. Uh, he he's is. a Wakandan term that uh, is uh, the close quarters battler. They're there. And then at this moment, Drax is thinking completely of his family. His wife, family, people that were all slain and murdered by Thanos. They rush in in typical fashion, but unfortunately, they get thwarted because they didn't go ahead and follow the plan. But but it was even more how they got thwarted because I, I loved the whole setup because it even shows more there the development of Thanos where he does care for Gamora, where he, he used the reality stone that he already took from dude and created a fake made everything look like it was fine nothing was wrong and she thought she killed him and when she did she sobbed uncontrollably and then he came out in in that epic fashion oh like no you didn't really kill me but thank you for letting me know that you really do care and it shows his quick adaptation of how he can use the reality the stones well he's been studying these stones all his life so he's the one that knows how to use them best and, I, and then it even shows, it goes to the, the little bit more earlier, which is why I love how they always, Marvel always keeps it from the Gardens of Galaxy 1 where he made a promise that if, he got, if she got caught, he had to kill her, Gamora. And she gets caught. And at first you think he's going to be that altruistic guy where he's like, I'm not going to do it. But he does it. But yeah. Thanos, once again, showing how powerful he is, changes to bubbles. Yeah. It was, it was, there was a lot of... Um... A lot of magic in that part of the story. There's mm-hmm. a lot of magic going on. There Mental manipulation as well. Yeah, yeah. And, it was, it, and I liked it because it's a nice, it's a nice narrative break from the idea that they're gonna fight for every single stone. Like this one, mm-hmm. they thought they were fighting for it, but it was completely it was different. Done. It was lost. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like there, there was just, I yeah, I re- I really enjoyed that that little piece of it. And the part that almost tripped me out was when Drax came in to attack Thanos. He turned him into uh, block pieces. Yeah, and then. When um when when Mantis came in, he turned her into silly string. I when when that happened in my mind, I remember sitting there thinking like, imagine that feeling of you being a living being, all of a sudden you become a rock. Yeah. Like it has to be semi traumatizing, as well as when you without back, losing their without losing your life without yeah, losing your life just and without losing mayhemed. the consciousness of what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. But again, it shows that control of how and how much power he really has at his literal fingertips. Mm-hmm. We come back to the ship where. Ebony Ma is torturing Doctor Strange mm-hmm. in what looks like a galactic version of a jigsaw puzzle from Saw. I mean, <laughs> he's just floating, in needles. All, floating <laughs> needles everywhere. He's just, you know, uh, now the plan has been put together by uh, Spider-Man as well as Tony Stark to figure out how we're going to go ahead and get Strange out of here. And in, 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 in typical Spidey fashion... It was all quirks in comic books in, in TV shows of, have you ever seen Aliens? I love how they made that reference. And I already knew. I was like, I know what they're going to do. Yeah. It, and, and it went with it. And it just, it was just a great Which show. Which made sense with the ships earlier. Like whoever is on the writing staff or the directing uh, at Marvel is a huge fan of Aliens. Huge yes. Because, you know, so Boom. Hole opens up, just like the queen going out in the original Aliens movies. Ebony Maw is gone. And yep. I'm kind of like, you know, I'm feeling kind of like 
Cottonmouth in the first season. <laughs> oh, of, uh, I'm just like, too soon. I was like, this is a villain soon. that you can make some money off of, man. You don't blow the payoff like that that quickly, but... I, I he's out like, of here. I did like to at least showcase this time the be, the first time of the legs, the the Spider Man legs, when Doctor Strange is basically going out the window and he catches it with the, the Iron Spider three legs and he's surprised, which is kind of like I gotta believe that the suit works with his his senses, like we talked about earlier, because it's throughout the movie it's been entertaining whenever he needs it, how he needs it. Yeah. The technology of the suit, um, Stark Amazing. redeems himself. That's much better than all those mock whatevers but, that he had. But let's <laughs> even talk about his suits. His his newest suit is something spectacular. It's based off of the same talent kind of technology that basically the Black Panther suit is, just not vibranium. It's nano nano machine that are self healing and separate replicating. He has he can change it upon command. So I, when I was when I every time I saw him fight, he almost gave me homage to to the DC universe of Blue Beetle. Because Blue Beetle always had the construct of being able to switch his to anything he needs. Yeah. And that's basically what this Iron Man suit was able to do. If he needed more, a bigger foot, he got a bigger foot. Any kind of cannons, swords, anything, and he had it at the tip of his fingertips. Even if a piece got destroyed, it was self-healing. So yeah. it healed itself. Yeah. And we only heard from Friday once in the whole movie. I, I believe that suit is called the Bleeding... Um, ble- bleeding Iron Man suit or something like that. Uh, yeah, I'm just not a fan of Iron Man. Uh, he's trash. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't care. How, I don't care how many suits comes up when he has um, the best suit that he made. He didn't even make it, and it pretty much nearly destroyed the world. And that was Ultron. Oh, then we oh, move on speak, to speaking of Ultron. I, I gotta. You just made me think of something that was funny. Where when they when um who was it? Someone had asked Tony where where, where Vision was. And oh no, it was, it was a, uh, the Hulk or Bruce Banner act where, where Vision was, and he's like, "Oh, I don't know." He turned off his transponder. He's like, "So you let another crazy robot lo- loose? What happened after Ultron?" He's like, "Well, Ultron was a mistake. Like that instant yeah, defense. They've, they've all been mistakes." <laughs> and um, something that wasn't a mistake was the end of Act Two, which was how the Soul Stone was gotten. Uh, in order to get there to the Soul Stone, we see that Thanos on his ship with Gamora, he or, shows his sister. Before we even got to the Soul Stone, we got we to talk about where, Thor. Because uh, before the Soul Stone happened, Thor made it to the, to the dwarf planet. Yes, he did make it to the dwarf planet. And, and, and like I, that's, I gotta, I've been wanting to talk about that one for a minute. Oh, yeah, like, we, we're definitely going to get All into right. that. So let, let, let's go back there. But just talking about on the mm-hmm. ship... They're on the ship, and they're, uh, that's where we see Nebula's being tortured. She's basically been mm. pulled completely apart, Rack. ex machina-like, yeah. Yeah. in the way that uh, her body is. She's constantly been tortured for we don't know how long. And once again, we see that empathy that exists between the sisters, and she has but, to give up where the uh, final uh, destination of where the Soul Stone but is. But you also see that the interaction between her and Thanatos, like the real hit, his heart for her, where he says everything about, like, I really tried to make you me. I was trying to, I saw you and me and I wanted you to become the next I was trying to raise emperor. you. I was trying to raise you. And I, yeah, you, you told me every day you hated me. You told me every day you hated this place. I knew this. And it's real iconic to a parent where parents hit from their kids at, at certain points in their lives where I hate you and I'm mad at you. But as a parent, you still love your child. You, yeah. It hurts a little bit, but you're just like, you really don't mean it. And you can see that through him. Where also where Nebula is kind of like that bastard stepchild. I don't really care about her, and he says it. I don't care if she lives or dies. She tried to kill me, and she almost was successful. So you're either going to tell me where this is. Oh, oh, you think you're not going to tell me? Hold on. Let me show you that I know 
because I can access her memory. So he brings up that memory of like, yeah, you got until I will destroy her. I just wanted to touch on that scene. I felt like every time that Thanos showed some level of compassion, they always made it very quick to show some level of malice and um, everything's about balance. Yeah, the whole and, yeah, thing and, and, and some level of power or assertion of power. As the first two scenes that we talked about, where he showed that with Gamora is, you know, he had that scene like she said, like we said, where she killed him, mm-hmm. and then he comes in and shows, ha ha, it's not. This ain't real, like. But I'm you know, glad, like you my, care. but my power, I can show. I made, I created a whole world mm-hmm. for y'all to think that, like, that's to the level of, of power that I'll do, as well as to the level of like deviousness. Yeah. Um. That yeah. that it takes to think of that. They keep writing their villains with better and better care, more and mm-hmm. more nuance. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And I think I think they really showed showed it with that because I, they were really they were kind of moving. Thanos along a protagonist's arc, even though he's positioned opposite in all, all of these yeah. stories. Like the amount I, of time I believe they he is spend the, on it. Yeah, I believe and, he is the yeah. protagonist. But it, yeah. I, I love we'll that. get into that. I, I love that. <laughs> he's not that typical, like what I'll call the DC bad guy. Like, I want to destroy the universe. Why? Just because for shits and giggles. He's like, I need to destroy half the universe so the other half can survive. And he even says it to do it by a lottery. He's like, no one should be spared. If you're rich and you're poor, I try to do it on my planet. They didn't listen. I think that's the bigger key is that it's not just that he that he wants to do it, but it's bigger than him, and it's not even about him. Mm-hmm. He sees it as a duty. Yeah, yep. it's, it's I'm not, the it's, only one yeah, who I'm sees. I'm the only. The I'm the only one that sees it and is in a position that can do it. Yep. So that it then it is it is it is on me. It's my responsibility, and I have to. A lot of layers. Man. His concept is almost like I do evil for the sake of the world. My evil will make everything better, and it it almost shows you. Where he, he the, the the lottery thing is what the thing I really loved in it because he was really like no one spared. Yeah. Like Which, every yeah. everyone should have the equal right to live in this society to make sure the rest live. Which interestingly morally separates it from the concept of genocide where the yeah. mm-hmm. where the preferred survivors are clearly delineated. Like that it was it was actually mm-hmm. like the liberal version and of that even somehow. Said that. Each planet he went to, he never destroyed the whole entire population. He destroyed uh, some of it. And he didn't hurt their planets. Yeah. The planets were always safe. So he wasn't a Galactus-esque figure where he came and he destroyed and took everything. Well, it wasn't his original character that he's been pulled from Darkseid. He's not Darkseid. And and not only the other thing about that is... In so many ways. (laughs) Like we said, that it was only about half of the planet or, you know, to, to enough to make sure it was to ensure success yeah to ensure and he like you said i went back to the planets and all of them are doing better better he's going to the last save point he's not doing the hard reset yeah because he he, he, (laughs) uh, of prime point he brought up gamora's planet and he was like yes i went to that planet and i yes i killed half i 100 percent did he admits it and he's like but now if you go back to that planet they're thriving they're doing way better than they were before because i was their salvation Mm. so he he really has a strong enough to do it to to do it beautiful dynamics dying planet the star where uh thor gets his hammer from originally and now he's going back there to try to forge another weapon and i just want to say how that is um analogous to the greek mythology of Hephaestus and the island of Lemnos. Mm-hmm. i'm glad you brought that because both of those both of the themes between norse gods and greek gods always have a weapon master for the gods and the 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 the, the, in the sky between, in, yeah in the sky the Greeks had one guy. He was like, it was me and I do everything. But they, the dwarfs were the whole population. This was for, at this particular spot in this movie, there was 500 of them originally there. 
before Thanos came and wiped out all but one. And you, you have to think about that because it was a race that he committed genocide, but it, it was for a specific reason because he had a fear. The fear of you guys are so great of what you can make that if you can continue, if you can make my gauntlet, you can make things that can kill me and destroy me. So mm-hmm. I got to make sure for me, so I can save the world, the universe, everything, y'all have to die. But I'll save him just in case I maybe need something. But I'm yeah, taking your hands. But he made one hands. huge, huge mistake. Hmm? He didn't give Tyrion wine. Yes. Because then he would have been too drunk to go to ahead it. and make it. Because I'll be honest, I did not like the CGI. Of him? There, it looked weird. It looked the weird. scaling between the, the buildings and the placings and stuff. And maybe just because my eye is so used to Peter Tyrion. Dinklage's <laughs> character being at a smaller stature, yeah. it just looked weird to me. I don't know. Maybe I was the only one. Like, I, I will say I agree with you. That I, didn't, I didn't like the CGI. It didn't, it didn't suit the look, but I knew what they were trying to do. But it didn't look that good. That was one of the critiques I had where no matter what he was doing or how he looked, it looked off. Yeah, it just looked like something that they did back in like the 90s or something. I don't know what, you know what, what it was. I would say... Weird. That whole planet was lit kind of... What I will say is that I will give more credit to uh, Marvel than I will to Star Wars because uh, I did not like The Last Jedi, everybody. I just needed that. He everybody. did say that last time, but, too. Um, <laughs> yes. Everyone is saying, I'm in the minority. Yes, and, um, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. But is the deviation of of planets and sceneries, like mm-hmm. each place felt different. Yes. Yeah. It really felt like a planet. Uh, yeah, well, I, maybe it was because the, uh, you know it, it basically is a planet that's a coal mine, but, so to speak. So maybe that's star. the reason why well, it's, well, it's you not, know, it's said not, like not, that. Well, technically, as we know, it's not really a planet. It's a star. It's, yeah. a, it's a dying dwarf star, which is why... My point was just the fact that like every scene just felt different. Every location was different, yeah. and I didn't feel that in another and it, But it, And it also... Because it kind of reminds me of how this is like... It's a compilation of many different... St- comic book storylines and it's just the and acts are so separated it's this is kinda, one I think of that, that that feeling contributes to that like you know they went to the they went to the star and, you know it was dead and it wasn't on and he was like what was going on everyone's gone and it was just the one dwarf left and you know he talks about his hands being done i was for a minute i was a little like god you know how they gonna have this happen and what hammer he we, we all know he's getting a hammer what hammer he was getting i went through a list of all the hammers thor's ever had and the one I was like, I was hoping, I was like, Storm. Uh, Storm Was it Storm Chaser? Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker, I was like, oh my God, because that's, that's it. Stormbreaker is the ultimate version of Thor's hammer. For those yeah. of you who don't know, in the, the, there's a universe called the Ultimate Universe where everybody's at their full potential, their strongest who they are. And Stormbreaker is Thor's ultimate weapon. So when he sat there and said, this is a mold for Stormbreaker, I was instantly like, I was in love. Because the, the hammer itself is it's a hammer axe. It's the yeah. epitome of what he wants. It's, it's, it's offensive and defensive. And it's bigger. It's, it's, it was everything. So and Also, I have to give credit to Thor once again because as you said earlier, Alana, Thor's always showed his resiliency. Yeah. And when, when, when it broke, he straight up said, I'm going to go in between a star and let it fry me while everyone else said was like, you'll die. And he's like, not if it kills me first. And then, you know, the dwarf is like, that's what and they needed. They needed that scene in there because there was no helicopters for Chris. Uh, what's his name to go ahead and hold and on there. So, so we, yeah, we, need, we needed a bicep shot. So this whole entire scene to me, you're not smart, Marvel. It was all designed for the bicep <laughs> shot. It was that perfect left and right, right? And it also, again, highlighted the balance that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. The last 
Thanos thing we saw was an exertion of his power. Now we're seeing on the opposite, that was the evil side of the exertion of power. We're seeing the positive exertion of power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then we also see a, a very iconic talk. We, we've, we've thought about, you said Groot, which I, I love when they had him because Groot's still being a teenager. He's chilling. He's playing his game. While he's dying, while those are on the ground dying because of, you know, the, the poisoning, the, the dwarf is running around looking for the handle. And Groot does what Groot does. He's like, okay, you know what? He kind of had, I am Groot. The, I, I'll do this for y'all. I got y'all. I, I really don't want to help y'all, but I'm going to do it. And makes the handle. And it, it's, it's a beautiful compilation where he is too hot and it burns him, but he gets through it to make sure he can keep Thor alive. Yeah. And I think that that made sense also because you saw that there was going to be a connection. They said it earlier, which we talked about with the fact that Thor understood Groot. Yeah. So yeah. there are probably many a weapons in Asgard that had handles based off of the people that Groot comes yep. from. So that was interesting that he immediately knew, like, all right, let me go ahead and get my arm out here and do this for you. Because if, if we want to go by the comic books, we believe a lot of people have a theory that Groot's people are part of or are uh, some kind of ancestral linkage to the world tree that they are they were made from it everything's made from it but from the actual wood itself they are part of it which is why when Groot came back as a kid if you ever read the group um his technically Groot died that person died the twig is his child this is why he's going through all being a child to a grown person again it's a brand new Groot or because Groot is you know the name just Interestingly, you were just talking about them being part of the Tree of Life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Yggdrasil, I think, is the name of the Tree yep. of Life. And they talk about it in Captain America 1. Yeah. They do. Yeah, there's a, there's a, oh, it's nice to see that go back yeah. to the beginning and as well. They, they keep it woven in. And, yeah, and I love that where it it's, it's keeps the mythology of the Marvel together. Yeah. And speaking of mythology and Captain America 1, which on the timeline spectrum really is what starts everything out in the MCU. It's fitting moving into the end of Act 2, which is my favorite scene, is Gamora and Thanos on this planet getting ready to go ahead and grab the Soul Stone. And as they are climbing up to the top of the mountain, literally and also its figurative meaning, then the gatekeeper at the top of the mountain... The Reaper. We finally see the return. We've been. Where is he at? The since, Red Skull. Since appears. Captain America one. <laughs> since Captain America one, I, for one, thought that he would be maybe in the position of like an Ebony Maw, and he uh, would have found Thanos similar as they have done inside the um, animated versions, mm. where then he becomes kind of a like person that's a part of Thor or uh, Thanos' legion to be able to go ahead and get back at the Avengers. But it was so cool to see him. He's giving this cautionary tale. And it lets it, it's real, too, where he says, okay, it's at the bottom at this abyss, but you have to be able to give up something. You lo- the Red Skull loves no one and yeah. nothing. So he, so there, he could nothing. never have ever a gone soul down for there. soul. So it's and a soul for soul. The, the other part yeah, that I... more reads him about it, too. Yeah, the, the other part I, I don't want us to, to skip, skip over is... He said exactly what happened. He was like, "If we, a lot of us never thought about it, the Tetherrack doesn't kill unless you touch it and you weren't strong enough, but it transformed him to a different planet. He went to this planet and learned about the stone from being in space. So it, it brought him to the other side of the universe to try to give him something 
which it, it kind of shows the connection of all the all stones. stones are trying to find each they're other. They're trying to find each other, and they know if they if you can find one and control one, you can get to the rest. So it was interesting that little tidbit of uh, we sent you to here. You know what I'm saying? And then we get the scene, which I think everybody in the theater knew was what was pissed. happening except for Gamora, because <laughs> I knew what was happening. And we right, get this. She was late. From we get this. Yeah, yeah, we get this beautiful scene where we look down into the abyss. She starts laughing at Thanos because she just saw like you don't you don't have a soul you don't have anything that you desserts. care about this yeah. is just desserts she starts laughing and then she sees him crying she's talking about tears and and any person that's you know perceptive base was all like oh no he's not ran. crying for him he's crying for, for you. you she can't see the trees amongst the forest yeah no. Because exactly. there were no trees and no forests at the top of that hill. And similar to the almost a biblical sense of like Abraham. It was and like taking that, that to the top, yeah. but taking the lamb to, to the, the top of the mountain. And, and even how he grabbed her. He grabbed her when he before he threw her. The grab of the arm is kind of the grab you do for a kid that's acting out. Yeah. When you need your kid to come, you're not trying to hurt them. But you grab the arm to get him to go. And he just had, if you even looked at it, he had that remorse as well as... He couldn't that, look at her as yeah. he did he it. Because yeah. like I said, the biblical sense like Abraham, two go up to the top of the mountain, but only one returns. Mm-hmm. And at that moment then, uh, he flings Gamora into the abyss. And then we get a very cool, which a lot of people had alluded and figured that the soul stone would be on Wakanda because the way that their technology works and the way that the astral plane happens between T'Challa and all of his past ancestors. Mm-hmm. But we got a similar type of astral plane, which I believe that Thanos may be, have been in the soul stone yes. or maybe yes. so he's he in, in the, the soul, soul stone. stone and Gamora is there because it's his soul. The, when, when, you, yeah. when you control the soul stone, it becomes part of your soul. So as, as we've seen throughout this movie in his soul is Gamora. And it's his physical representation of when he first met her. That is his representation of the innards of his soul, which is still that kind of sweet concept because yeah. he's inside, you would think his soul would be misery and hate. It's pretty peaceful. His daughter, in fact. His it daughter. allows you to build empathy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. going to be yeah. one of the most important stones as it, as it is in this movie. But going forward to the sequel, I mm-hmm. believe it, as well as the time and the reality, those three are probably going to be the most important. Stones. So now remember, at this point, he, he has the soul stone, he has the power stone, and he has the space and time stone. He had three out of, out of... Not time, just space. Not yet. Uh, the Tesseract is a space and time. No, oh, space. no my bad. No, space. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Because time is the green one. My bad. Faux pas. But he has three of the major stones, so that's half of what he already needs, and will only be like an hour and a half into the movie. Oh, uh, we've talked about the fact that now Thor has Stormbreaker. They're on their way, basically... Uh, similar to Battle of the Bastards in Game of Thrones. We have a lot of Game of Thrones references here because it's a great show. The battle shall ensue on Titan. And they're going to his former past home world. They have now dug in and it's going to be a battle for the Time Stone. Stark is upset that Strange is there in the first place. But Strange has already gone through, as he said, he meditates for a moment as they're on their way there. And he goes through over 14 billion different possibilities Mm -hmm. and different outcomes of what could happen. And when he awakes from his meditation, he exclaims to them that there's only one outcome of them winning. And there's a major part that I love is when, when they were on the ship and they were talking about, you know, let's go here. So you saw a weakness in Iron Man. 
because Iron Man says something along the lines of, you know, they're also like, hey, can't you turn this thing around? That's, you know, Spider-Man as well as Doctor Strange says, let's turn this thing around. But Iron Man says, no, nah, let's take the fight to him. I've already seen him once. He, I'm still reliving the trauma of what he did to me last time. And once again, in his selfishness of just, this is about you, Tony. So we're going to go do it. And so you, you see, once again, he's going through that trauma still, but he's still an asshole. And Doctor Strange says something that later we find out is, is not true, but he was like, don't worry. If it ever comes through it between you or that boy, you both can die. I'm taking this stone. And if you were to believe that, that's a real cold thought, but it's the actual bet, the best thought. Because you need to make sure he doesn't get the stone. And no matter what happens to them, the whole universe are two people. And it, with that point, it kind of showed that. And then as we head to, you know, tie in and he crashes, we're ready for that. And he's like, well, we already know where he knows where we're at. So we don't really need to do nothing. We just need to wait. And when he comes for them, they fight. are prepared. There was a little bit of uh, bickering back and forth. Ooh. Peter Quill, Star-Lord, giving yes. Tony Stark the absolute business. But I love their, their interaction. When they first met, you know, of course, that and they thought they were enemies. And you, yeah, you and D-Ray talked about it earlier, is the father figure being a weakness. And that's the first time you see it. Because Quill gets Spider-Man and puts it to his head. And since they don't know Quill, he says, I'll blow this kid because he knows he's a kid. Brains out if you don't let Drax go. And Drax would be their version because of his mentality, because he is based off of a, a person that has autism that he doesn't exactly know. So he's still, it's, it's the, both of their weaknesses, but two super strong characters at that too, but that father figure concept still being a weakness. Yeah. There was the vouch that exists there where basically it reminded me almost of like two fraternities getting ready to, to be for two chapters inside of fraternity. And then there was one person where they're like, Thor sent us here. They're like, oh, you know Thor? Okay, you good. Yeah. That, you know, once again, it's like, because you just had to think, how are they going to merge all these storylines, all these characters, everything and together? Blend. But it, it blended by making sure that the relationships of meeting the right people at the mm -hmm. right time happened to progress the story. Mm -hmm. I think they also didn't shy away from how it's awkward. Like, they took most of those opportunities to make some really great jokes. Yeah, already. yeah. Awesome jokes. I don't like your plan, so let's go with my plan. My plan is not stupid like yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because they kept, they kept that where in the, the one theme that they made sure that it kept with Iron Man was his trauma, his ignorance, as well as his pride was a problem from every movie. And it's been consistent, which is kind of interesting because you've seen it evolve, change, get worse, and then take the biggest landfall ever since Ultron. Yeah. And I think he makes the greatest evolution. So while the battle is happening, they have developed a plan where they're utilizing the... It's almost uh, akin to people to play the MMOP type of video games. Every person yep. has their own role in yep. how they're going to defeat this ridiculous type of giant that is Thanos. Spider-Man is moving around. Doctor Strange is yeah, like oh yeah, God. it's like you know, Dr. Strange Leroy Jenkins. You know, they just came right in there. <laughs> and like Doctor Strange teleporting people around. You got Iron Man. You know, he's he Drax is out here cutting. He's doing the hard slicing. work, slicing and dicing. And they get him at a one pin down where he's tied down a little well, bit from Spider-Man's web. on his head. Mantis on his head, messing with his mind, so he's reliving trauma, because, you know, that's what she does. She put motions and she relives And trauma. she's having a hard time of holding it, and then uh, to piggyback off of what you were talking about earlier, already, one of the seminal moments of Tony Stark coming completely full circle, mm. when we looked at Captain America's Civil War, when he saw the video of 
Bucky, the winter soldier, gunning down his parents, particularly seeing his mom die, there was nothing that Cap could say to him to to get him out of that rage. And how ironic to go ahead, then fast forward three years from that time frame with inside of this universe, and they have it. They're there. They're getting the gauntlet off of Thanos, about to defeat him, but then Mantis is on top of the head. And all of these films are coming out of Thanos, and Quill is trying to figure out where is Gamora. And Tony Stark instantly realizes what's going to happen. Yep. And he's trying to pull Star-Lord away, and he's like, just, just put it out of your mind. And, but just like with him, when he saw his mother die, there was nothing that could happen with that level he of rage. He lost the love of his life. And... and- I mean, you got to think about it. through the whole movie, they were showing that progression that he was in love with her, that even when they asked, is this your like boyfriend or something like that? He's like, no, we're kind of like cool friends <sighs> sleeping together, buddies. But, you know, it, it's that still awkward state for them. And the rage hit, even though it's Spider-Man and Iron Man was like, we're almost there. Like the glove is basically off. And the minute he says it, I, you know, hats off to Chris Pratt because he, he, he showed it in his face. He, he really did. It was great he action. broke. He broke, and, and we've all had like that feeling or thought before, like that break, like, I have to kill you and now. You, and it, that's a great point, Ben, that it is a reversal for, for Stark, because emotions make you lose, right? Like, yeah. Iron Man loses that fight at the end of Civil War, yeah. and they, they get their asses kicked yeah. because of this mistake. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Then so then Thanos gets up, he starts going ham. The man, and we talked about MMOPs and stuff, we're talking about video game type of things. The man... He boss moved he, everybody. He, he <laughs> takes his fist with the power stone and crushes and cracks a dwarf moon and uses it as projectiles to throw at his enemy. And that shit right there is dope because that shows he, he had no issues grabbing and destroying a fucking moon to kill you. And but, I mean, obviously, on that planet, gravity works a little bit differently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The moment that we, I saw Mantis that crack, Jody. I was like, "So are we going to lose about half of the Avengers right here?" Because I'm like, the whole planet should be just in flux, like with a yeah. moon just cracking. But yeah. you know. But I mean, when, when we, they even said that in the beginning when, when they first landed. If you look in the background, Mantis is like kind of jumping and floating. Yeah, because yeah, they said like there's something off. You said what about what had happened? Looking like she's on a trampoline. Yep, yep. Yeah, because there's something off with that planet, which. Uh, I think they probably will in the uh, sequel uh, to this film probably touch a little bit more on what had actually happened uh, to Titan and uh, what yeah. place Thanos took with inside of the destruction of Titan mm. or didn't take. At the end of that scene, then, things are looking dire. We already know what's about to happen. However, my favorite part, of course... Now we go to Wakanda and Vision is there and we get Princess Shuri and she's having a conversation with Bruce Banner as they're trying to go ahead and take the stone off of Vision so that Vision doesn't have to die, but he can be removed from the Mind Stone. And she's just like, well, why don't you just go ahead and do this and take a little bit of this and that? And he's just like, because we didn't think of it. (laughs) But at the same time, in their defense... They were working with Vibranium, which is pretty new to them, and yeah. that's something that she's been working with her entire, entire life, life and has developed all of the tech and you know the great things that they have at uh, Wakanda. And just jumping forward, this whole entire battle and scene showed and proved that 
later on when we get Ms. Marvel's movie, we're going to get more into the Kree, which was first introduced with yeah. Ronan the Destroyer. We've seen the Asgardians. Uh, well, eventually, we'll probably get the scroll. We have all these other type of like I don't Marvel so. entities. Honest, I mean, it, it, I they've got so. the 20th Century Fox thing, all these other companies. Uh, at some point in time, you got to tell the story. So. So, so the only reason I don't think we'll get that in the Miss Marvel movie is because it's in between the net, between this Infinity, Infinity Wars and the next one. There's only two new Marvel movies that are besides, of course, Deadpool. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying that we're going to get those movies oh, oh, inside okay, this time frame. I'm just saying it's going to happen with oh, yeah, the, yeah, inside yeah. of the MCU. But... Uh, as I'm saying is, Wakanda ranks as a Earth nation up there with any other nation in the entire galaxy. When you Including look at Asgard, the amount of the tech yeah, that they yeah. had, the dwarf, Colvin, all of uh, Thanos's like army that was coming through, that shield was holding up. Yeah, and I, I love that because they showed it where when the first one came, not only was no one really too worried, they were just like, oh yeah, something's coming. And then when it hit the top of the dome... It shattered. It, it blew the fuck up and was gone. Oh, and said, I after, love this place. And then, yeah, I love this place because because <laughs> anywhere else in the world, it would have destroyed half of that city. And they had to put it on the outskirts of the city to even try to get into Wakanda. And the only reason they got in is because they understood, like, if we don't let a little bit in, they're going to crack us from yeah, the it was, it's from Yeah, it was a strategy point yeah, was the only reason sense. why they got in. So that just, to me, just showed that I'm like, I mean... The level of strategy and tech, like Wakanda is right at the top of any nation in the universe yeah. for this, being able to defend themselves. The shield alone killed Obsidian, which is one yeah. of uh, Thanos' top yeah. warriors. When he, when, the shield alone, just him dragging through the shield, and it even blew up one of their spaceships yep. that landed on it. It, it blew and, up their whole ship that had... Who knows how many warriors and, and little creatures that was coming through? And think about it. Remember when the beginning monsters came running in? They were just literally sacrificing hundreds of their lives just on the shell itself. Yeah, when they had mentioned yeah, that, like, she's like, "Oh my gosh, they're, they're killing they're themselves. themselves!" And you saw them like even the ones that could even kind of get in, they were getting cut in half and they were dying. And it was awesome to see all of Wakanda out there. It was awesome to yes. go ahead and see the quick little aside that we had. Um, where you go ahead and have the white wolf and they're just all like, yeah. hey, are you ready to go? Yep. And he just said, where's the battle at? Where's the battle? Where's his vibranium arm? And he gets arm. the vibranium arm. Oh, I love that um, shit. They're all there in battle, just lined up. We get the great line from McCoy just talking about, you know, if you were going to open up the world, like, you know, I thought perhaps we might, you know, like, get, a uh, Starbucks. get a Starbucks or something. So Or at the Olympics. Yeah, the <laughs> Olympics or a Starbucks, which, I mean, the Olympics, you know, would be awesome in Wakanda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But even with that, I, I love the, the the setup of all the major superheroes. You got the whole Cap team, and then you e you even had the inside of the Hulkbuster. In the Hulkbuster, you you got Hank, you got Bruce Banner in there, but he's he still can't control. And you see the Dormilaje look at him like, oh, this fool when he trips, like oh, we're going to battle with this idiot. Yeah. Like so, it's still even that homage. Like we're better. And I, I I love this scene for so many reasons. Like it once again, it showcases something we don't normally see in a lot of superhero movies. The females are not damsels in distresses. The, no. the, the scene where, where, where the um, it was a uh, Scarlet Witch, uh, Scarlet Witch. It was um, Black Widow. Black Widow and uh, what's the door Malaje uh, female name? It's, well, yeah, it was a Koye, Scarlet Witch, and Black Widow. Black Widow. Uh, well, well, first it was it was um, Black Widow and a Koye yeah. versus the 
woman that was with the uh, crew of the uh, Black Order. Yeah. And so they're battling. And the moment I just saw them, they just gave a nod to each other like, okay. Proxima. Proxima. Uh, and they just gave a look to each other. Proxima was in the middle, and I'm like, okay, this is awesome. You've got this. probably one of the greatest uh, women warriors in the world. That the USSR could go ahead and create, yep, yep. and you've got you know the, the leader and general of, of Wakanda, Wakanda, and they're taking them out. And then in typical just great Okoye fashion, when Scarlet Witch comes in and like does all these great things, she's all like, ah. Why, why, was why, was you, why didn't you bring her down here in the first place? And I'm just like, we're all thinking that, like, damn. Her entrance <laughs> is so perfect where, where they have the new, uh, the, 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 like, tires of death coming through, and she just drops down and picks the shit up and destroys half the army, and just like, shit. Yeah, you got a good there. weapon up there. The but, y'all's strategy is trash. Yeah, but basically, it's <laughs> all like, oh, this if, is the Avengers strategy. But if, if you were watching, that was also what they were waiting for because the minute the Black Order, uh, uh, Proxima saw her get on the battlefield, she said she went down and she sent the other guy in to attack. Yeah, Colvin then came in, uh, made it easier to try to go ahead and uh, get to Vision which Shuri tried uh, her best to go ahead and defend. Side note, too, it was awesome just hearing, which I think it was in Yoruba where he told him, you know, uh, brother, too, yeah. uh, where you have M'Baku greeting T'Challa. And that was absolutely awesome that the Jabari now are on a level to where uh, they can be called upon. They're friends. we got to hear, Masa! Oh. And I'm, Masa. Just like, I'm like, okay, like, okay. here we go. And M'Baku was holding his own, too, oh, out there the on the battle battlefield. Battle. Quick question, though, which is interesting, which I don't know, maybe then he becomes a villain in the second Black Panther movie. Um, where the hell was Wakabi at? Where the hell was Wakabi? His people were there. Wakabi got arrested in, in Wakanda fashion. We don't know how that court system works. Yeah, we so yeah. we don't know where, but Wakabi's going to appear again. again. We would hope. So that's interesting to see. I mean, his tribe is there. Um, new, the, which, new leader. Yeah, well, I mean, his uncle is probably, yeah. that was on the council, also, is probably controlling them. Nakia not there. Yeah. Just well, you know, yeah. she's always around Support the world and some spies type stuff. But true. favorite part of the battle, I'm not going to lie, was when when they came in and all of a sudden Thor, because the, the, a, a Stormbreaker has the Bifrost. It can travel through the realms with his power. So I love that instant come in and then how Thor introduces him. Oh, this is my friend, my the rabbit. And what did what, what he, what he call Groot the stick? He was like, this, yeah. is, the, this is the stick. And it was just kind of like, wait, what? And, and you group, in group fashion, just starts running and it gets real angry. Just, ah! And destroys some shit. And it's awesome. They're the intro to now everybody's really starting to meet each other. And that's a great segue with then one of my favorite scenes in this battle with the rabbit, Rocket <laughs> Raccoon. With his pistols blazing and then getting picked up by the Winter Soldier yes, and, and them spinning. just spinning around swinging, having mutual respect and a bromance kind of going on it between was. the two of them. That's a good word. And as that's happening, he's just all like, hey, where'd you get that arm from? Yeah. He's like, hey, how much for the gun? And then he's like, no, not for sale. He's like, what about the arm? And then he just gives him that look like, nigga, you know I ain't selling my arm. <laughs> and then he's just all like, I'm going to get that arm, oh. which we heard that when he got the eyeball. So yeah. I cannot wait and for how when Racket Raccoon is going to steal oh, the arm. The, or, or try to, because he even said when he got the eye, he was like, he was like, oh, yeah. I, he, so he gave you an eye. No, he gave me 100,000 credits. I came back at the middle of the night to get the eye. And then he's like, you probably should have watched that first. I had to smuggle up my the Stormbreaker coming in. Doing massive damage was beautiful. It was. It was classic. I loved it. And it was, it was great to then see almost all of the realms that are now 
the good parts of the realms mm-hmm. are battling against Thanos. But then when we go back, the the the, the part that uh, my favorite part in the whole movie was when you really get to see. So, so I'm jump, jumping from Wakanda real quick and going back to Thanos is when Doctor Strange really shows why he's OP as hell. Where he basically goes one-on-one with Thanos and he does that multiple manipulation where he makes That's like great. 20 or 30 of himself and holds down Thanos. But because of the stones, you know, he has, he has no set for him. But it, it shows why he's so OP though. Because he's he is one of the most powerful people in the universe, but you just don't see it. People always think it was because of his stone. And we saw through that battle that he didn't even have the stone on him. Mm, true. Yeah. So with that being said, we're pretty much near the end of the movie here. Um, Colvin is the last member of the Black Order that's left. He is hunting down uh, Wanda as well as hunting down Vision to try to get to him. Vision's sustaining a lot of damage. Yep. But in typical fashion, here comes Cap to go ahead and save the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did y'all think about that scene? It's, it's it's iconic cat. Yeah, I mean, I he was the only person I thought could have done it because he had to come in and he had to show he was still the dude. Where he came in and he he stopped him. He he's he's the reason why they didn't die and they were even even able to get away in the beginning. It's the end, and Thanos is squaring off against the Avengers he has the that time are left. Stone now he has the time stone. Uh, he has it all. And he's just needing one last stone that's right in front of him. So the play has always been destroy the stone. Wanda doesn't want to, but she's trying to go ahead and destroy the stone as the Avengers are trying to go ahead and fight Thanos off, thwarts all of them, but doesn't get there in time. The stone is destroyed, but he has the time stone, pulls it all back, then rips it literally outside of Vision's forehead. And with both of those, it, it showcased so much. You really got to see the full power of Wanda, which if she could with all four, five stones on her, she was able to hold him back and still destroy one stone. It's showing it's how how it's vast nice. her powers are because yeah. other people... Which I never really got it. it. They make her powers so, as if it's the reality stone. Yeah. But her and her brother were experimented on with the Tesseract, the, the space stone. Yeah. So that's kind of like a little bit of, you know... What I've been reading is ever since Fox kind of bought him back, they want to kind of go back with her being a mutant. So with her... Because her powers as a mutant is really reality bending. Yeah. And they've always kind of forced it in. Because if you remember in the beginning, her, she kind of almost had Tesseract power where yeah. there's gravity kind of stuff or she moves shit around. But now it's kind of like, I can alter anything because she's flying, she's yeah. grabbing, she know, and extra stuff. It's just, it was a beautiful moment. But when you saw the, the corpse of Vision change colors and you saw his real death, it was, it was kind of beautiful. Yeah. It, was, it really was. <laughs> But Scarlet, Scarlet Witch's power also has a strange um, empathetic ability, too. Like, she mm. uses it to read... Emotions and feelings. Yeah, to read things from Vision, who doesn't have a human brain, I suppose, is an important point. But so they And also it's benign, that. right? Like, it didn't do anything physical to him. It was completely um, thought-based power. Remember, they did kind of talk about his mind when they were talking about removing it, where they said because of how he was created, he is the Mind Stone, he's Tony... He's uh, 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 Ultron, Ultron. Ultron. He's Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner. So if you just take one of those parts out, he still has all the rest of that because he's been evolving. He's been becoming something more than just a, a robot. It's a nice yeah. idea. Oh, it was. <laughs> so to finish things out, Thor comes in, swoops in with the big axe. Straight to the chest. Straight to the chest. And as Thanos uh. told him, 
should have gone ahead and gone for my head. And in the most iconic, one of the most iconic scenes to ever be drawn into panel of comics, Thanos snaps his fingers and it's done. Reality forever changed with the power of all the stones, the space of people moving, it all merges together. We see then that the gauntlet looks like it completely is fried and, yeah, and I, busts. And his arm too. If you and look at arm. his whole arm and his in the gauntlet, it looks like it's basically destroyed. So I was, I was wondering about that because every time in the comic books he used it on a major scale like that, the... They get reset because they, they yeah. can't really be basically like uh, yeah, like Dragon Balls. Well, yeah, they, they yeah, they're, they're all out. flying. So mm-hmm. that's I, there will probably be another race to get the stones yeah. in the next movie. Uh, he uses his powers and or what's left maybe of the space stone to go into the back, and then we start seeing you know ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and people just start melting away and disappearing. And for me, one of my saddest moments, but it was also a good outro for a character, was Spider Man. You know when? Oh yeah. When yeah. he when they were that was a tearjerker. Yeah, he. You could see he was still young because he said, they, "I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I'm not ready. Help me, Mr. Stark." And you can see he's I'm only sorry. sixteen. I'm he's sorry. only sixteen. Yeah. He's only sixteen. So the rest of these people are fighting. That's what they try to. The father figure. Everyone's like in their thirties, forties, and I wish older. Tony would have gone away, but you know we we've got other ones that that. Black Panther, Vision, Yeah, Scarlet Black Panther Witch. going away, which is interesting about Black Panther going away because I was looking at some toys in the toy line. And if you're a fan of anime, especially Dragon Ball, they'll often let you know where they're going because they put out the marketing for the toys earlier on. Yeah. And I saw in their Legends Marvel series, which shame on Marvel, though, and the toy companies because they haven't made enough Black Panther toys yet for all the money for that's been real, made. they have not. So one of them that's been made is a Black Panther with two different faces and heads and the T'Challa head like dang near looks like Terrence Howard. So they did a mm-hmm. terrible job with that. But then the other head is Okoye. I'm wondering if Okoye is going to go ahead in the next Avengers movie and don the mantle of the Black Panther and, and the suit at least. because So I, I see that as a, I was, as a possible. I was, I was a really, lot of people are going to say Shuri, but yeah, I think they're going to wait till like really Black Panther 3. I doubt it. And I think it'd be bad if they did make it Shuri that Why? quickly. She's the exact reasons that you just said for no, Spider-Man. But she's say, just a girl. She's 16. To, to me, the only reason why I think it would be a good... So if it was like she's donned the mantle until they bring him back. Because we, we, we know he's coming back. Charles oh. coming back. Let, let's oh, be, wait. I, but... Whoever wears the mantle of the Black Panther has to be the ruler of Wakanda, and that would mean that she'd have to go ahead and survive a challenge for the throne without the suit, and she's toast. She's But she's also the next heir to the throne, though. She no, I'm saying, though, though, like... Well, but they all are. All the different tribes have, have heirs yeah, to the throne, yeah. and that's and they're why they're able to, to challenge. go ahead and be able to challenge. That's true. And in a sign of war, what usually happens? Yeah. In the sign of war, the Joint the Chiefs of man. Staff usually will go ahead and take over if it's, you know, president's yeah. gone, basically, vice president, all these type of things. Because I'm pretty sure Romana might have disappeared now. Who knows who's gone? We're, Shuri's probably still there. No, we, they saw Shuri was still okay. there. I, so, yeah. I, I would like to throw out this theory, that Okoye becomes the Black Panther. She at least wears a suit. No, I wouldn't say no, she's no, going to become the Black no, Panther. No, that she, be, she takes the mantle of the Black Panther, and they kind of merge the Shuri... Black Panther story with Okoye. How so? And 
just well, they just I mean, just like how they merge characters all the time. Yeah, just how they did with uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character, oh, okay. um, yeah. Nikita's. Um, yeah, they, they they merged Queen Divine Justice with other characters that yeah. existed. Her backstory. So I'm saying I think they'll do that with Okoye, mm-hmm. and then for the Shuri story, they'll go to who, the I, I don't remember the name. I think it's Onye, the figure that she becomes to eventually after she becomes Black Panther, like her oh, yeah. own her own character, which is even surpassed. The powers of Black Panther. Yeah. And with him dying, who knows, maybe that's where they bring in the whole thing where it's like maybe but, he no longer can then be the Black Panther, so he'll have to go ahead and get all of the powers from maybe using the Soul Stone or something like that from his own people because that's where he gets all the powers from all the elders that are Panthers. But they've got Panther 2 and 3 and those things to figure out. But I just thought it was interesting that um, Panther went to Ash, but Okoye didn't, and just starting to see toy lines where they have her having an inter- interchangeable head to go ahead and have the suit. I thought that's interesting. For me, what, what kind of threw me off is how many Avengers they let get wiped out. Because when, when I was really watching this before, I thought I, I knew a couple were going to die. But when I counted all together, there was like 11 to 14 technically different Avengers that were wiped out. There was less Avengers that survived and that actually... Got to bring, bring in, bring in, in new ones because that's more toys. In, that's so, the thing. Reset. Like <laughs> so, the, reset. So I'm kind of glad you brought that up because if we go to, to the uh, post credit scene, we get to see Nick Fury in the car with, with uh, what's her name? Um, Robin, whatever. His, his number two his, the, the lady. And, you know, they, they get in a car accident. They go to a car. Miss Hill. Miss Hill. Thank you. Go to the car, there's nobody in the car. All of a sudden, they look around, people start disappearing. Then he pulls out this beeper, she disappears, and he starts disappearing. He says, oh, shit. Drops the beeper. And then in the beeper, you have the iconic, you have the symbol for Miss Marvel. Yeah, which I, which I was saddened because I was like, please be Charles Xavier. Please be Charles Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what it was. I knew what it was. I was like, I was like, please. Which the, okay, so I, that was something I that I had a problem with the post. Century Fox and Disney got out of bed in time to get that yeah. in their bed. Yeah, that <laughs> I don't be know. The next Avengers. Yeah. Movie. So I was though I was highly disappointed with the post credit scene because it started racking oh. my it started it started racking my brain for these things is if that is the case, okay, it was a pager. Let's just say that the pager happens to go ahead and be an intergalactic pager because if. Ms. Marvel is supposed Captain to have, Marvel. or Captain Marvel is supposed to go ahead and have her Kree powers. The Kree have already been established yeah. with Ronan the Destroyer, and the Nova Corp was in trouble. Yep. Did she come to help? No. Inside, at, the, at, the, at Avengers Movie 1, you have uh, alien crafts coming into the world. Did she come to help? No. no. She doesn't show up then. Then you have Ebony Ma and all these people right there, like Thanos' Black Order. She's nowhere to be found. So I'm like, some people would say, well, she's off world. Or So then I'm like, okay, well, let's just say that this pager, because remember, the movie is supposed to be set in the 90s. They've already put out uh, photos where you can see Sam Jackson with like terrible LeBron James painted on hair. <laughs> so uh, that movie is going to be set in the 90s and it's going to be a prequel to all these other movies. So with that being said, where the hell is Captain Marvel? It make, it almost made no sense to me where I'm all like, you're kind of like really, unless y'all are really going to explain this well, unless she's like on ice or something like or, that, like Supergirl, or, or think about like you're doing maybe, a disparaging thing to her. They're, they're probably they're going to do some junk where she just hasn't got a power jet. That that she get she gets her power. No, but but the her movie is going to be a prequel in the nineties, and he seeing that the world is going to hell. Page Page Ms. Marvel. Where the You're hell was Page Ms. Marvel when Thanos was first attacking the first time with Loki? 
Oh yeah, with New York. They, they with New York. New York. And 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 just on one other segment because I want you guys to answer that and answer something else is the Marvel Cinematic Universe has let it be known that they use continuity with the Marvel shows that are on Netflix. They talk yeah, yep, about the yep. incident oh, yeah, yeah, and all yeah, these yeah, other yeah. things. Are obviously Luke Cage is going to come out in basically a couple of weeks. And Jessica Jones has already been out. Mm -hmm. So the next uh, one would either be Defenders Season 2 or it would be going into like Season 3 of uh, Daredevil. It would be Season 4. Or Season 4 of Daredevil. Daredevil. So when that happens, I got to believe they better... Talk either, about it. Yeah. Either they're going to have to talk about it where people disappear or maybe they're already gone. Or I could see... Do you think that Marvel's basically going to say the time that's between Avengers yeah. 1 and Avengers 2 is this like is two before. days. And so like when everybody comes back, nobody remembers it. But as of what, right now, New York is fucked up. Like, what, is Daredevil around? What, Luke Cage talking think, about it? I think for that, for those side, that they're going to be, it's going to be before. They're, they're going to make it like at the end of the season, it's going to be the beginning of like Infinity Wars. They're going to make it cut off like right before that so they could then think about how they're going to get them together. Because they have said they do want to have them somehow connect, but not completely connect. Yeah, I think they're going to cut it That'd off right then and there. Expensive as fuck. Because even with Jessica Jones, like, if it, spoilers, just quick. If you haven't seen Jessica Jones, you'd be you spoiling for me and I wouldn't care. I, I, I'm, I, I'm sorry, me I had too. to stop. I, 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 I had to stop. I tried I to care. watch season two. It just wasn't good. Anything, uh, so it won't really be a spoiler. The only thing I will say is the how Jessica Jones preceded it had no connection to anything else we would have seen in any any major way. Well, it even when they've be, written that character, they never really give a her. background of like yeah. what where she really gets her powers from or anything. No, no, no. Like I'm that. not even talking about so, powers. Yeah. I'm just talking about the story of what what happens and what she did goes through. With that being said, I think it's it's interesting. I gotta believe though, it would be really cool if in Daredevil season four it is to where people are missing because that could be something to where remember kingpin and all these folks started taking advantage of hell's kitchen because of what happened in the incident with the shatari situation the first time around in the first place so now if you had a bunch of superheroes like luke cage is gone and all you know misty knight and all these people are gone then it'd be just perfect breeding ground for either the hand or for kingpin to try Mm -hmm. to go ahead and take back over you know and then maybe that's where it's like luke cage is gone so daredevil needs some help and he calls up frank castle and now you got like you know him joining the defenders but th- there's a lot of possibilities but i just think it's it's interesting with that but going back to the first part of it so where do you guys think ms marvel is? i think i think the only way they can explain ms marvel is if literally they they keep it off world where she had no way of getting any kind of contact because i mean if you think about thor in general when he wasn't on earth and hulk they had no clue what was going on earth when they came back they made multiple jokes like i gotta catch you up so i gotta think she's maybe you know Fighting, fighting, fighting Kree out in space somewhere far away, and then she's gonna. That's in the Galactic Pager. She's gonna. It's gonna begin her movie. Bam, and then she's gonna run, run also, back. Also, is it a pager because she's been in a different time or a different? Dimension? See, that's another reason. Mm, maybe. Well, that's, that's another reason I why I thought it was it. a pager because I'm like, it's the '90s. That's when he met her, so it's like yeah. she yeah. probably was like, "Hey, page me," but I'm like, who uses a pager anymore? Some, no, but there's something going on maybe with a sort of a Doctor Strange type. Angle. Or you know what I'm thinking what it might be? Mm. Similar to a Doctor Strange type angle is the last time she used her powers and was involved in something, maybe innocence died and she's just been walking amongst people. A black light and, 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 and it's just quote, retired, unquote. And, and retired. And she's supposed to be like the like super OP level powers. Yeah, she's so maybe that's one of the reasons where she even tells um tells uh Nick Fury like you know, there's other metahumans and other people out here. Maybe you should get them together, do right. something like only call me if you need if me. It's absolutely dire, but completely like 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 
there's other people out here. Again, you got, you know. But, but yeah, because that, then it would be like a no, Star Wars but, story. It would be like Luke yeah, yeah, on Space like Island. So yeah. I, I still can't go even with that. Even though you don't know? like it over there. No, no. I, I still can't go with that because just like you said, even if you are retired, you're like, you may not need me. If you walking down the street and the yoke is getting fucked up and you got the powers of like basically Superman because she's basically the su- she's superwoman of this world and you don't do nothing, you're a fucked up person. Which, and, but and, one last thing, which might be interesting, and just thinking of like like trying to expand the story and give like reasons why, maybe also the moment that she starts using her powers, it almost gives off a radiation so much of the Hulk, how people are always able to trace calls gamma for, radiation, mm. to where if she starts doing the that, Kree can then she alerts her. the Kree, mm. and the Kree, which that would then be a great segue into the next thing the phase four, where it's like, all right, now we're like into an intergalactic war with. So, you know, so, other like worlds. That is one of my themes because after I finished Infinity War movie, I wanted to see what were the next set of movies that was coming out before the next Infinity War. With only next two sets, as we talked about earlier, like Spider Man. Nope, and- uh, nope, it's Ant Man and Wasp and then Captain Marvel. Then yeah. it's the next Infinity War movie. Yeah. So I kind of think they did it perfectly because now they kind of give those actors a break for a second, you could say, and focus on the two new, three new sets of actors they want to bring to the universe. As well as they can explain why they're whatever they're doing, there's no other superheroes around because they're so stressed, uh, stressed thin where they can't even help. And then Captain Marvel is going to be that, I think it's going to be that introduction to trying to fix the world again. Because th- that, that may have been the whole reason Nick Fury texted her. One second, I just want to throw this in though about the Captain Marvel thing is the, the fact that. That's pretty reckless if you're waiting to that moment yeah. to contact Miss Marvel because, as we said, when Thanos did that, it's random. She could be one of the ones that got erased. Exactly. So if you wait to that moment to use... Yeah, but they, they would never even know that, though. No, yeah. no, 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 but I'm saying he doesn't know that, but I'm, yeah. but it's the point of... You should have been that, had her that, in. Yeah, that, that, that'd be... You already know that he was coming for the, the, the stones, and you already know... You might not have an idea of what the power that they yeah, hold. That's, but you that's know why that I gotta believe so, uh, what Elena and I kind of feel in here. I gotta believe that she's on a uh, Luke Skywalker type of like redemption story where it's like something happened. Which let's remember too, this is gonna be set in the '90s where the U.S is first probably going to come into contact with her as in Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. What are they trying to do with everything? They're going to want to use her as a weapon. So whether it's either her, like, you know, anger towards S.H.I.E.L.D. and what they've tr- maybe tried to do to her or to try to go ahead and protect the the world from uh, having the Kree, like, come through an invasion, I, I, I just got to think that she's not off-world. She's been on-world the whole entire time and it just must have been something must have happened so out. dire that uh, of a fallout that she was just all like don't contact me. but the only reason I can't go with that is because then why would you need the old school ass pager that not only the old school ass pager but it took a hella long time to send and you know, it had you know a video why I think that I think he held on to that pager Since and, he, he and, he, and he's hoping that I don't think it was a like press the button all right you're on your way I think it was a Oh my God! Please, please, please see this. Mm. I don't know where you are, what's happened to you, but we need you right now. A desperate SOS. Yeah, and I, I think that's what it is. So, what did you all think about the final scene? We got so excited to talk about Captain Marvel and the post-credit scene. The final scene, which is one of my favorite scenes in the history of comic books, to where uh, in the comic, at the very end of a different type of ending for the uh, Infinity War, 
Thanos goes back to this farm <laughs> yeah. and this character Adam Warlock and uh, they he he goes to go see Thanos and it's so much time has elapsed but it really hasn't and Thanos is just a farmer and he remembers the power that he had for, of the gauntlet and he talks about it with Warlock because he was able to wield it but I like how they took some of that and they come back to this small little shack yeah, and you see the cornfields there, and he's just a simple man, just sitting down, retired, and he's retired, and he's at peace with himself. What did y'all think about that? It was shocking. I I was so shocked, and I and and I I loved it because it was just like the typical way you, that you do a cliffhanger with the villain is what we saw in the previous scene where he's pulled into somewhere God knows where, and it's like all right, he's not dead. Like his his death is not on screen, so he's he's still in play, and then yeah, bringing him back so quiet. And then I think it's only about thirty seconds, and then the freaking director's names. It was just oh so. Yeah, yeah, I mean it was so 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 good. And wasn't there like a little flashback that he had with Baby Gamora? Yeah, well he did that. That that initially happened when he first snapped. Yeah, when we first snapped, he went into the Soul Stone again, and you had Gamora saying like. Is well, it, it hasn't been identified as a soul stone. We're just assuming or making. Yeah, we're we're assuming, assuming. because yeah. it, 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 he didn't he couldn't do it until he got the soul stone, and since he got the soul stone, he was doing it. And the soul stone is supposed to have his own centralized celestial body because inside of it. Also, we so we don't know it, because yeah. it's like we don't also know where these folks have gone. Maybe they're not dead. Maybe all of their souls yeah, are going to be inside of the soul stone. Yeah, and that's one of the possibilities that I want to ask you. That's one of the thoughts I had. Before we kind of get out of here, is Ant Man. Wasn't it here? We talked about the next movie Ant-Man and Wasp was going to play a, a big deal and kind of like tying up some loose ends. But he was able to go down to the molecular structure into where they say it's almost another type of realm. It's almost very yeah. similar to the soul subatomic level. realm, the yep. subatomic level. And that's where he was able to go ahead and see where what's his name's wife uh, was at, mm-hmm. uh, Hank Pym's wife. Scott Lang, I think something's going to go on with him going back to that subatomic level and maybe he's able to go inside and find the entrance to get into the The soul soul stone stone. and be able to get people out and maybe to get people out of there or to get adam warlock into there and to take over the stone or i don't know what i thought was going to happen was uh adam warlock was gonna maybe go on a quest to change it because that that's one uh, version that's happened where he gets all the stones he wishes everybody back to right before like the whole universe was taken over with small changes because one of the things they, they said they wanted to do is to get, change to keep Iron Man but not have Iron Man. And the actual comic books is now a young it's a young African American woman. So I'm thinking they can do that version of Ironheart. Ironheart. They, they they can do that version of it where he snaps and people everyone comes back but some people are different. You know, instead of Iron Man we got Ironheart uh, instead of a, a, a Thor, we have the the woman. Woman Thor. instead of the uh, we we have Cho for the new Hulk. So th- they could change it where they can have these new fresh take on the whole universe without actually. Boy, making... they would piss a lot of people off. But it it, <laughs> it, it, it would work with, with the continuity of what they're trying to do. They said yeah. they want everything to but be I different. Don't, I don't think Adam Warlock though will appear because as I was just thinking it with the next awesome. couple of movies, if he's going to appear, it's going to be in Guardians Three, and that's mm. not like scheduled till like twenty twenty. So. It's um, after, yeah. No, it's way after. But I mean, th- that's what I would want. I mean, th- there's so many ways they can literally do this. That like another way that if they really wanted to do it, since it comes out or after you know X Men movies and stuff, um, they could they they could do the Fantastic Four's Child, uh, uh, Franklin Richard. He he remade the universe several times 
We could do, you could do Legion because Legion's already technically out, and we see him in it. He's remade the universe. We we have a, a such a plethora of characters that can technically fix this if they want to combine more characters. Um, yeah, any Omega, almost Omega level power. A whole bunch of Omega level mutants. Yeah. If they really even just bring the X Men in alone, they have five. Yeah, I think the Reality characters. Stone could do that. You know, Is, do you guys do you guys think there's any chance that Thanos actually? disintegrated too and we actually were looking at an afterlife situation with him no no okay because nah. like, it'd be cool if they did it, I, I don't think they want they want him to die yet yeah I, I, I and to be honest i even like think at the arm, end of infinity war in there, right like it's a chest shot so yeah, like we don't but you do see some of the damaged arm you see like oh, a little okay. black right yeah. there up the top oh okay. so you like that's that's how i was able to reconfirm it like his arm is still fucked like that's, oh, that, yeah. that's the one difference it seems is because like we talked about, the whole gauntlet was fucked up. The stones looked like right. they fucked up. And his whole armor's fucked up yeah. from the reverb. Using Dan Harmon's story structure that I love so much, I want to ask you all if Thanos is the protagonist because he had more screen time than anybody else. So Dan Harmon's story structure goes, you need go search, find, take, return, change. So you, you usually find someone in a place of comfort. For Thanos, he was started the movie off with murdering half of uh, you know that's a group that's of people. Nine to five, so he's, so he's doing he's his good. nine to five. He's in a place that he was familiar <laughs> with. Um, the need, he wanted something. He wanted to go ahead and he get the Affinity stones. Gauntlet. He wanted the stones. The go, he went to an unfamiliar place, and he no longer was sending out his little minions to go ahead and do his bidding. Yeah. But he had to do like he said when he got. The, I'll do it myself. Mm-hmm. He searched for it, and he got. So close, so he adapted to being able to go ahead and actually do battle with people that he felt were beneath him. He found what he wanted. He got what he wanted. But then, right when he got what he wanted, he had to go ahead and pay a heavy price, losing Gamora. Mm -hmm. Then he returned back to the state of where he was at with basically having all power and everybody being below him with the gauntlet. And then said, change. Having changed with now... His purpose is complete. Mm-hmm. So with that, that uh, Dan Harmon story structure that he uses for all the episodes of Rick and Morty and for things like Community, you can also um, you know check it out online. It's really cool. But with that being said, I would have to say that he is the protagonist because this story structure comes from the hero's journey, uh, which is one of the oldest forms of like writing for being able to go ahead. They used it for Star Wars. It's yeah. used for... A lot of great stories. So what do you all think? Antagonist or protagonist? I mean, I, I love kind of how you brought that up because it he really, he's both, depending on your viewpoint, because he really, from his point of view, he's completely the protagonist. He's trying to do something to change the universe and make it a better place for everybody. But on the other side of, I always want to have this compared to this. When you kill an ant farm, you don't really, you're not really too sad about the ants you kill because you're like some are left. And that's how he sees living creatures. Y'all nothing but beneath me, but I'm to help you beneath me people, I'm going to get rid of half of y'all. So we see that as negative because you're murdering us. So you, of course you've been antagonist because you're doing the evil side of what we don't like. So both. This is basically, and this is why Thanos and um, Tony Stark have an understanding. Is because it's basically the same dynamic that you have with Tony Stark versus Captain America. Exactly. The the one versus the many. If mm-hmm. sacrificing one is enough that that's worth it versus sacrificing a few to save the many. Yep. 
Um, so it really depends on that side of the spectrum. If you if you think Thanos is the hero, then you should also think Tony Stark is the hero in Civil War. Oh, great point. That's mm. a really great point. You can. And uh, how do you because feel Because it's about the greater good. At the, in essence, that's his, his viewpoint. His, his his Although I, I'll address because I, I would disagree with that a little bit. I was going to say, um, I think there's a strong argument for him to be a protagonist because he actually does have a moral compass yeah. like what sets him off on that is he found he found the idea of an overpopulated desperate oppressed like uh, population to be amoral which because it naturally leads to oppression it naturally needs to leads to squabbling over resources violence um and he just he found that to be so horrible that he was gonna take horrendous measures to see it not happen in, on other planets which is like it's an extreme position um, but they've been experimenting that with 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 having the villain take a take an extreme but somehow sympathetic position. They just did it so recently successfully with Killmonger and and Black Panther. But it just it it lends so much pathos to the situation that I think you can argue and and you make a great nar- uh, narrative point with the story structure that you're just pointing out that they they have the the pathos and they've done the story due diligence to set him up in an interpretation of protagonist. You can yeah. see it. It's there to piggyback yeah. off of that. And I, he has the convictions of, uh, of it. He sticks mm-hmm. with it. He's consistent with it. He never, yeah. he never, he never wavers. He never wavers and that's one of the differences right. I would say between him and Stark. And also mm-hmm. one of the differences between him and Killmonger. Killmonger wanted, everything was solely based off vengeance and he wanted to watch it all burn. Yes. While Thanos, he's a farmer. If you look at it, at times, you do have to go ahead and burn certain portions right. of your crops, to burn crops in yep. order for it to properly regrow again. Killmonger, on the flip side, he burned with the intention to go ahead and throw salt into it and for things to never grow again. He wanted to burn it all down. On the flip side, too, when talking about Stark, Stark, while it does seem, and I see where you're going with the fact that it's like he wanted to go ahead and save the many rather than the few like cap but the difference is stark's selfishness in deeming himself to go ahead and be an overlord of protection with he does everything to under the guise of what a despot does which is dangerous is i'm trying to protect you i'm doing this for your own good it's monomania cap and yeah. thanos both have it yeah, yeah. They're, they're both for like they're while i feel that thanos really was doing everything for the greater good with what we talked about um with the aforementioned uh speech about him talking about uh what has what goes on with a random lottery yep the random lottery anybody can be taken away that is actually a real Bernie Sanders esque position. Exactly. <laughs> if you if you must die, you must you go must by die. randomly. You, you, must, know? You, you must go randomly. So with that being said, I, I I think that he was the protagonist, and it was shown with what he had to pay the price for. Because many villains are not willing to go ahead and pay a price. Uh, they just want everyone else to pay that price. Right. Loki. That- Loki. Is it a parable about climate change? <laughs> just make, just make yeah. that point. Well, climate change and overpopulation. Hey. Uh, <laughs> so my question is, if we do label Thanos as the protagonist, who are we labeling as the antagonist? <laughs> Tony Stark. Are, are, are we labeling the Avengers the antagonist? Are we labeling anything thwarting his, the world, his overall goal? The, the world 
as a whole is the universe, is, the universe itself yeah. is collapsing on on itself that that is the antagonist the antagonist is inevitability yeah, it's not, Which, it's not a man versus man, it's a man it's versus destruction. Man. Like, yeah. Man, like, mm-hmm. versus, versus You're destroying everything you have. Because he says multiple times, we, we live in a society and, 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 that makes, and that makes the Avengers the antagonist because the Avengers, think about it. Why are the Wachovia Accords exist in the first place? Because as they said, when you create a group of super beings like that, naturally... There has to be a villain. There has to be a challenge. It's about and these balance. constant challenges have destroyed parts of Nigeria. It's destroyed Zakovia. It's left New York it ravaged. Um, all these things have happened as a result of the Avengers being created. So at a certain point, you know, they're they're a part of that world that's collapsing in on itself. So they are they technically are the antagonists. Yeah, he's trying to restore balance, and they're fighting. Balance. Tipping, tipping of the scales. Yeah, because it's always balance. on the good guy's side, and but and then they're you know we are the good guys. I mean they they do a lot of property damage out here. You know <laughs> I, I've not once seen an Avengers cleanup day. You know Tony Stark isn't in the iron suit. You know with a little green smock on on the side of the road picking up trash. In trouble in, in Civil War, <laughs> two different ways. We've got to go ahead and get out of here because we were already gone way way over time, but it was definitely needed for this episode. So once again, you can go ahead and uh, hear any of my musings and storytellings on at Cousin Benji at Instagram. Ready? Hey, thank you for having me. It was an awesome experience and I uh, love talking to y'all once again. Elena? Oh, thanks again for, for having me. If you want to see me on the social media, I'm Elena Jane on Facebook and I'm Elena Twits on Twitter. And I want to say thank you for the panel. Thank you for Benjamin Ananowo for hosting this Avengers Infinity War. I guess we'll call it part one because we know there is going to be a second part released, I believe, next year, correct? Yes. Yes. So um, definitely come back for that. And uh, thank you for listening to another Stay Woke podcast. You know our motto, live. And for this one, instead of listening to some great music, watch some great movies, and above all, love more. And we're out. (laughs) 